Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Everybody, it's Wednesday, May 29th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Howdy. And Miss Stephanie Cook. Buongiorno. All right, guys, another week, another podcast. This week on the show, we are going to be previewing the books we're looking forward to coming out this summer, June, July, August. Uh, we'll talk all about those. We will also do our books of the week, of course. Uh, but first, Stephanie, you got a chance to see something pretty cool this week, right? I did. Um, yesterday, I guess not yesterday now, time travel yeah. um, on Monday. There you go. Memorial Day for you Americans. Um, <laughs> America. <laughs> I headed to the CN Tower in Toronto um, for an event put on by Warner. Uh, it was the Man of Steel north american costume unveiling so these are like the actual costumes that were worn by like henry cavill and amy adams and they had um the guns that they were using in the show in the show in the movie and um yeah they did this great big unveiling the hors d'oeuvres were very very fish themed i don't know if that has something to do with the fact that we see Clark as a fisherman in the movie, but I was like, hmm. Gordon's okay. fish sticks they were serving? What yeah. was Yeah, they on? totally had fancy fish sticks. And then they had like shrimp shooters, which was like broth in a shot glass with mm-hmm. like shrimp. Yeah. It was like so weird, but it was really good. And they had like these salmon mini quiches. But anyways, enough about the food. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a really small gathering of people and I, I didn't really know how I got invited. I kind of assumed it was because of the show and I'm doing a panel for Man of Steel in a couple weeks, but um, apparently it was kind of a social media kind of thing. And so it was a really small group of people, like a ton of them were Warner employees and the company that had put the whole party on and the rest of it was like 25 social media people in this like really cool part of the CN Tower, which again is a tower that overlooks all of Toronto and um. Yeah, Zack Snyder was there. Wow, and that's pretty cool. So, like, again, it was like a really small setting, so we all got to kind of talk to him, and I was so fine like the whole night. And as soon as I went up to him, I was just kind of like, instead of being like, "Hey, I'm Steph," like I'm a really big fan, yada yada, I just was like, "Hey, can I get a photo?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, yeah." And um, got a photo, and then I realized, like, during the photos, like, my friend was taking a bunch, and I realized I'd introduced myself, and I stopped, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. By the way, I'm Stephanie, and I'm, like, a really big fan. <laughs> and, and then this guy gave me, like, this in to kind of talk about comics with him, because he was like, oh, Stephanie works in the industry, and 
Stephanie, Zach actually reads comics. And I was like, wow. But then I just felt like so weird. And I did this like cartoony shuffle away. It's just <laughs> like the Zoidberg. Mm-hmm. You sidled. I did. You sidled away from Zack Snyder. I bet he remembers you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yep, that happened. Yeah. But he was super nice, and I, I don't think that he thought I was weird. Maybe. Remember maybe she he was did. the maybe girl doing the Chattanooga choo-choo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to... But yeah. the costumes are really cool. I got to see like the Superman outfit up close and personal. And I was like, I wonder if I can go like just take a photo with it no one's in here the security guard's like i have handcuffs and i'm like oh, <laughs> uh, maybe i shouldn't he's like yeah i got to hold the guns earlier i'm like well you can't just tell me that and then not let me play with them too <sighs> i think it's funny that they have like the like the kind of space guns and and the superman outfit and then they have like a business suit for yeah. lois lane they had um but like they the setup was weird. So obviously in the center of there was four five costumes. There's five costumes. Um so they had the one you see Henry Cavill in when he's on the boat, mm-hmm. I think, in that kind of like warm, snuggly fleece jacket and stuff, <laughs> scruffy look. And then like right beside that, instead of putting, you know, his like suit, they've put they've put Amy Adams's like reporter outfit beside that one Mm -hmm. and then again there's like the superman and then there was like the villain um costume and then clark kent's suit so i was like "Mm, this (laughs) doesn't why wouldn't whatever yeah whatever here are these things we spent millions of dollars to design and here are clothes yeah here's something (laughs) from the may company yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly uh but it was a good time yeah it was really cool and i'll be able to go check out the movie um, early next week and hopefully give everyone my thoughts. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah, uh, this is kind of transitioning, but th- this week's news was a lot of people going to actors, hey, they want to do this thing, would you be up for it? And then being like, yeah, absolutely, I'd be up for mm-hmm. it. So uh, they talked to Henry Cavill about the Superman-Batman situation. He said, oh, I think that'd be great. That'd be a really great way to show their relationship and such. And then he, and then they're like, so is it happening? He's like, I got no idea. <laughs> they don't tell me things. Yeah. Um, but uh, so there's that. And then, but the, the, in the Marvel side of things, we heard last week that uh, kind of this rumor that uh, Cyrus Ronan was the prototype or like the model they were using to create the Scarlet Witch or Joss Whedon was writing a Scarlet Witch kind of in her image. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they talked to her. And she was like, yeah, I've heard the rumors and I would love to do that. You know, cause she's like, I love Joss Whedon and that would be, and I love those movies. That's all she said. So, uh, I mean, but we didn't really talk about her as Scarlet Witch. Uh, we'll get to the Quicksilver news in, in a second, which is kind of the only concrete thing we really have to talk about. But, um, you know, Sears Ronan, obviously she's in Lovely Bones. She was the star of Hannah and, uh, she was also in, um, Atonement, one of the stars of that movie, Atonement. Uh, Steve, what do you think about her playing the Scarlet Witch if that happens? I think that would be a great idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only seen Hannah of those movies, but I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a kind of like a dark survivalist Red Riding Hood kind of thing. Uh, and I really, really dug it. And I liked her. Yeah. I liked her. She was able to do serious and mysterious at the same time without mm. having it be too much. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
And she's got the if they if they did her up and everything, mm-hmm. I think she would have the look for it too. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Stephanie, what do you think? Um, she's a bit like scrawnier than I think I picture Scarlet Witch, but I think that doesn't really matter. Um, she's a mm-hmm. great actress and someone I would definitely love to see in the role. Loved Hannah, loved Atonement, like. How old was she in Atonement? Because she rocked. Yeah, she's awesome. So young. Yeah, I'm not even. She was very young, but she's awesome in that movie. Yeah, and I mean, I don't like. I love the the book, The Lovely Bones. I don't love the movie, but um, she was fantastic in it, regardless. Mm -hmm. And it was like a super super hard movie, I imagine, to write and to be in. And she, again, was so young. I think this was probably like her second or third movie, and she was like phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely. I am 100% on board for her in anything. Mm-hmm. Bob, what do you think? Only seen stills of her, don't know any of her work. Okay. It looks like physically. Yeah. She should be younger, should be thinnier. Yeah. Thin, skinny, yeah. Mm-hmm. young girl. What are you saying? She's 19, 20? She's got to be something around there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's excellent. Like Stephanie was saying, but Lovely Bones is not a great movie. Uh, great book, not a very, not a very good movie. But uh, in Atonement, she's fantastic, you know, uh, and and also in Hannah she carries that movie basically and rocks it you know she play it's basically like a like a young girl version of like a born movie like a born oh. identity type yeah, of yeah totally that's situation. exactly but i feel like she got an oscar nom for atonement as well she did yeah she was nominated for an oscar for atonement so uh she would be a great choice if if that's that's the kind of actor they're looking to cast then they're obviously going i think in the right direction she was born in uh april of 1994 oh wow so yeah so she's, so she's 19 19 yeah. yeah which means in atonement she must have been 13 12 yeah yeah which is which is pretty crazy um Absolutely. you know the the other the other half of this is obviously quicksilver um and, and joss whedon they talked about uh, about a month ago now he kind of hinted at it and then they confirmed it uh and he spoke about why he wanted the characters to be in the movie and basically said you know, the, my problem with the first Avengers movie was all I had were guys who in different degree of punch people. That's all they could really do. And for the second one, it'll be great because Quicksilver can run very fast. Cool stuff there. Her magic uh, and the, like this like kind of telekinesis angle to the way her magic works sometimes could really change up things. Do you, uh, are you excited about that kind of prospect as far as the battles go, oh, Bob? Absolutely. Yeah. And he's also saying that they may, he's hinting anyway, that this they may start as uh, enemies. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, not everyone should like the Avengers, I think, is, is what he was quoted as saying. Yeah, so exactly. That's how their career ends. They're, they're fighting mm-hmm. the X-Men, mm-hmm. and they get redeemed at the same time Hawkeye does. They all join the Avengers when everybody else leaves except Cap. Yeah. So, perfect. Yeah, you, you need something really visual. Uh, they're still not saying who all the villains are. No. He's saying it's, it's him. He said that yeah. today. <laughs> uh, but he, he said something very interesting, which is he doesn't want the villain to override the heroes. Like he, he said, he hates that in, in superhero movies, you get to the sequel and they kind of forget about the heroes and move on to the villains. He says he's very interested in writing about this villain, but he's still kind of obsessed with, uh, you know, writing about, uh, the Avengers, which I think is a very, very good thing to hear. Um, the, the other side of this though is, uh, Fox who has their days of future past X-Men movie coming out, uh, next year, Brian Singer tweeted that he, that, he was having Quicksilver in his movie and they had cast uh, Evan Peters who is from uh, American Horror Story at least the first season I'm not sure he played I can't remember his name he was like the the disturbed kid kid. yeah yeah okay Um, as Quicksilver uh, 
from what I've seen of him, a very good actor. Uh, and, you know, the kind of... There's been two kind of general feelings about this. One, this was always going to happen, and it's just they're getting near the time where they're going to shoot with him, so they have to cast him and, and bring him on because there's a whole big, apparently a whole big acting sequence built around the Quicksilver character. Uh, and the other thing, too, is... Other thought is that this is a battle being waged right now between Fox and Disney, um, basically saying, we're going to use both use the character... And we're coming out first, so we're going to trump whatever you're going to do by doing what we're going to do. Um, Stephanie, what did you think when you heard this news? Um, I mean, I'm not as familiar with Quicksilver in the comics. Like, I know who he is, mm-hmm. and I know, like, the basic stuff. But I haven't really read a lot of things that have a focus on him. But, I mean, I do know what the character looks like and generally what he's about. So, that kid an American horror story is like creepy. I mean, he's supposed to be, he does yeah. a great job at what he's supposed to do. Yeah. It's hard to picture him as Quicksilver after only really seeing him in such a effed up show. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has the right look to him. Although he's like a bit, bit, not quite what I would picture, but I mean, I'll, I'll take good actor. He reminds me of, uh, the kid who played, uh, what's it? Pyro in X-Men yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the similar type of look to me. He has like kind of those baggy eyes a bit, like yeah, like dark yeah. eyes and yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Give him white hair and some little wings. It'll be fine. It'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> like at this point in time, I think all we can hope for, the best we can hope for in comic book movies is getting actors who will do justice to our characters. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, Quicksilver's a really angry fella yeah. for most of his time. Even with the Avengers, it was always fighting with, with Clint, fighting with Cap. Uh, perfect. You get some creepy kid that'll yeah. pull that vibe off. It'll be great. I think they should honestly find a way to get along yeah. and put him in the Avengers, too. He's yeah. the same actor. What great cross-pollination for both films. Why couldn't they do that? I don't think Fox is in the, or because Disney is willing to do that. They never want to work together. They've always just got to compete. Yeah. They can't you know, work towards a common goal. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other problem, too, now is that Marvel has their universe that they're building, and Fox is going to build their universe. And then if you link them with that one actor, then you have to basically link them across the board. And you have to be constantly, there's like six levels of people you have to clear things with before yeah, you can you can change anything in any movie you do. Steve, what do you think about uh, the dual Quicksilvers? <laughs> uh, I really wish that in a, in a perfect world we could get both uh, parties to agree mm-hmm. and just share the actor, especially if the actor's up for it. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're like, oh, would you like to be a part of this and a part of that? But like, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, I think it'll be okay. If they cast two different people, I don't think it's going to... So long as you keep the fundamental aspects of what that character is, you stay true to the character itself, mm-hmm. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, it stinks for the for the public that they're not as invested in this stuff as we are, that it might confuse them a little, or yeah. maybe not so much confuse them, but turn them off, that they have to warm up to a new people. Also, to have to i don't want to say waste time but to have to establish a character again in a in a movie that you already saw like let's say last summer you Mm. saw quicksilver's premiere Mm -hmm. in x-men and then avengers 2 comes along and they're reintroducing you to him that's like 20 minutes of time that you could have been yeah doing hulk stuff yeah i don't know (laughs) um i mean i'm sure they'll figure it out I'm sure that regardless, we'll wind up with some great movies. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, I don't know. I, I I trust them to figure it out. That is not. It's really not my concern mm-hmm. for for either movie as to whether or not they get Quicksilver right. I hope they do. I'm much more interested in the Scarlet Witch aspect, uh, particularly the magic aspect. Yeah. I want to know how uh, Joss, you know, wants to handle that and wants to introduce it mm-hmm. because I think personally I understand why they're waiting. But I think that audiences are ready. I think that mm-hmm. especially by the time that Avengers 2 comes around, mm-hmm. that with two Thor movies in the bank um, and two Cap movies and another Wolverine movie and stuff like that, that people are going to be craving something new and something different. And by that time, introducing magic into the thing to kind of like change the playing field, I think it'll reinvigorate mm-hmm. people's uh, love of these movies. Yeah, I mean, I think that the... The Quicksilver thing, the only thing I'm worried about is uh, I think it might reflect poorly, not reflect poorly, but the general audience might go, oh, the Avengers is copying that X-Men movie we saw last mm-hmm. summer, you know, because the Republic doesn't know about these like legal battles and all this other stuff. Right. The only thing I, the thing I think will happen, and it might, they're saying this anyway, that they're not even going to call him Quicksilver. Just call him Pietro. We call him Pietro in, in Avengers. And they might do the same thing with Scarlet Witch. They might just call her Wanda. Um, because mm-hmm. of this whole kind of legal ease, they don't. They're, I don't think they're sure, or at least w- people who are reporting on it aren't sure what of the character they can use. Because they might not be able to use those mutant names because mm-hmm. that's their names as far as the X Men go. I would so, totally rather it be the other way around. Like, well, yeah, the superhero names, names in, the Avengers. in Avengers, yeah. Avengers, and then yeah, have them just be real people in X Men. I think that would actually work a lot better. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, it's all whatever. It's yeah. up in the air, but it'll yeah. be interesting to see. Um, they also, uh, I mean, we also got this news that, uh, John C. Riley might be cast in kind of an Agent Coulson type role for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Might be the go-between between the Guardians of the Galaxy and, and, and S.H.I.E.L.D. That could be interesting. Um, which I would assume, I mean, uh, would mean he might be an agent of S.W.O.R.D., uh, yeah. which is kind of the intergalactic S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever, but not a ton of details there just that he might be playing that role and might leak out into other parts of uh, of the other marvel movies hmm. um and funny enough you brought up the you know you, last week we were talking about uh casting i think you brought up katie sackoff for uh captain, captain marvel, marvel and there that was mentioned this week on yeah, blog and stuff that. yeah they talked to her i think they, they asked her about it really and she said she was up for it or whatever, so cool so she th- would pretty well be perfect yeah she would be pretty perfect. Kelly Sue posted on her Tumblr this picture of a girl in the army arm wrestling with. Oh my god! I saw that dude, and she, if she was an actress, would be perfect. Did you see that arm? <laughs> I know, it's bigger her than my waist. Like, it was huge. Than yeah. I tweeted that to Kelly was, Sue. I was like, "Damn!" You know, that girl was ripped, but yeah. like hot and perfect as Captain Marvel. Yeah. But like Katie Sackhoff. If she, if they did a movie with her, or even if she was in a cameo for something, mm. done. Yeah, I mean, we're getting a lot of those rumors, right? That Captain Marvel might, there might be cameos for Captain Marvel and for Black Panther in in, in Avengers too. So, I mean, there's that rumor that they've already cast Black Panther, that it's the guy who played Jackie Robinson in that movie Forty Two. So there's that, that was the rumor anyway. Latino Review posted that rumor. They've um, been right. More often than wrong, especially with Marvel stuff, they yeah. have been they've been very right. So, well, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. there's no movement or anything yet, but um, it was a very big movie rumor centric week as far as news goes. Not a lot of news coming out of the comic book world. Uh, we did find out that Chris Roberson, after he finished Masks, is going to be writing The Shadow, um, ongoing. So that's pretty cool. 
Uh, I know, Bob, you, you, that's something you're probably excited I'll about, take, right? I'll take a shot at that. Yeah. He's, sure. uh, he's actually got another one that is on my list for later on in the podcast. Oh, yeah? Yes. T- teaser. Da-da-da. Foreshadowing about later. Yeah. You have a DC defection, Pete Woods. Oh, right, yeah, Pete Woods left. Th- that... I, I, when artists leave, it I, I feel like it's probably less something to do with like the inner workings yeah. of that stuff. Has more just he wanted to go do his own thing or and he or said whatever. So. Everyone was nice to him. It was friendly. Yeah, he know. made sure to say that yeah. when, he, when he announced that he was leaving. He's like, it's not nobody was anything bad to me or whatever. No, no but, giant monsters in the office screaming yeah. at what they want the DC universe to be hypersexual and violent. No, yeah, just yeah, leaving. Just moving on. Just moving on. All right, so uh, that's it for the news for this week. Let's let's talk about uh, our books of the week. Bob, why don't you start us out this okay. week? Well, before I even begin, Stephanie, I picked up today Adventures of Superhero Girl. <gasps> I'm so excited for you. I've only just glanced through it in the store, and just a few I've read. It is one of the funniest, most charming things I've read in a very, very long time. So thank you very much. And Steve oh. was perusing it as well. I'm totally eyeing it. I thought he'd already read it. I was going to ask to borrow it, but now I know better. <laughs> You see? How'd you guys like it? Well, um, we didn't read it yet. We didn't read it yet. But I am going to oh. the Silver Snail on Thursday, so when I do that, I will pick one up. What do you think about Tell that? Tell me. What? We are, we are going to talk later, Steve. It's not, in, it's not in Toronto. It's the other one. Oh, the Ottawa one. God damn that stupid Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Ottawa? Lots of things, but I mean, that's a Canadian thing. I'm the like, Senators? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Hockey, Patui. <laughs> I mean, for real, I'm so glad you guys are going to pick it up. I, I know one of our listeners, Theodore Bond, picked it up, and he loved it. And that was so amazing for me to hear because I don't think anyone could not like that book. There's something in it for anyone to enjoy, even like non-comic book readers. And I'm going to pick up like a stack of them and give them out to people for like awesome. birthday and Christmas gifts. I read uh, a page earlier when Bob handed it to me. I just opened up to a random page. And superhero girls like running away from ninjas. She's like, I got a job interview at two o'clock. I gotta go, guys. Sorry. And they're left standing there, and they're like, um, so <laughs> want to go get a beer? <laughs> yeah, it was cracking up. It's so good. And I think the next one, something along the lines of, she's in a her interview like room waiting, and one of the ninjas like doesn't get the memo and crashes through, and she's like, guys, I'm in an interview. And he's like, oh, do you want to like reschedule? Is that, is that cool? She's like, oh, fine, go. The one that sold me, uh, there's a giant monster attacking the city. And she's standing on a rooftop looking at eye level at this 300-foot-tall monster. Oh, you have whiskers. It's so cute. And these <laughs> bats are, like, into the next county. Awesome. Okie dokie. But anyway, so thank you very much, Steph. You are welcome. It'll be hours and hours of enjoyment, I'm sure. Uh, quickly speaking, I know people don't, think i talk about this too much it's fantastic four number eight which was really really lovely issue it's ben Grimm's one day where he gets to be a human thanks mm-hmm. to uh, valeria and the kids from the future foundation and he goes back to yancey street as he often does to try to fix some things that have gone haywire mm-hmm. uh nice ground level story set in it looks like to be the 40s yeah that's what mm-hmm. i that's what i got yeah. from it yeah uh very old movie vibe gangster movie kind of thing mm-hmm. some local toughs and whatever and ben's ben yeah but the kids also sort of spill the beans that he told a story about mm. the past in that age of ultron issue mm. so i think that's where we're yep. heading we're going back to school next issue yep which could be fun and so moving on from there i did not i haven't i didn't read the ultron issue of Ooh. fantastic four 
Uh, oh, really? Yeah, because I, uh, I I had a huge pull list that week, so I like put them to the side, and somehow they just got lost and shuffled. They got put back on the stands, and they got sold, and so I just never had it. So I was like, what are they talking about? Did I yeah. miss? I was, I was like looking back through my other issues of Fantastic I was, Four. When I was reading uh, this Fantastic Four, I got so excited in those those two pages mm-hmm. where I was like, oh my god, I'm like, they're talking about <laughs> that thing, and I'm like, yeah. that's so cool. <laughs> It's going to be a big thing. I'm sure it won't turn out to be as bad as Ben thinks it is. No. But it's, mm-hmm. it's a nice little spot to go on. Uh, speaking of Age of Ultron, Fearless Defenders 4 AU. Mm-hmm. Can we just use the abbreviations? Yeah, AU. Okay, AU. Okay. that gold? That's what it says on there. Yeah, okay. Well, it's the WTF on covers, too. That's true. No, it didn't say anything on the covers, it's just on the solicits. <laughs> uh, so this is set in that... Sorry to spoil things. Alternate timeline. Yes, there's the an alternate thing yeah, yeah. is going on in, mm-hmm. and uh, Doctor Doom. I'll leave it at that. Is really in charge. He's taken out Asgard. There's a Latveria Asgardian war. Uh, giant destroyer robot just laying across his city, which mm-hmm. isn't so good. And he's has his own sort of Hunger Games kind of thing going on. Female gladiators, and we have the defenders on this Earth are Colonel America and and a Hulk. Yeah. And the Hulk doesn't like them taking advantage of Warrior Woman, Hippolyta here. And uh, there's some really cool stuff. Lots and less, less array of superheroines. Uh, and it's great to see. Well, it's Cullen Bunn, the regular writer, yeah. which is good. But Phil Jimenez, who did oh. a great run on Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. seeing him draw these sort of mythological characters. And you get Carolyn LeFay from the regular series. Mm-hmm. Ares, the God of War. Very mm-hmm. cool. If people haven't been picking up Phyllis Defenders after all we've been chatting about it, they yeah. should be. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I haven't read that AU issue yet. The uh, the Uncanny Avengers one was very good. And I got to say, if you're reading that series and you didn't pick up the AU issue, you really should because I don't know if it's going to fall directly plot-wise, but because that series deals so much with time travel and like alternate dimensions and such, mm-hmm. it really feels like it's just part of the, the story. So people should pick that up if they're reading that series and they just skipped it because yep. they're like, oh, it's a tie-in. You should pick it up because it, it fits in nicely with that story. Unfortunately, that's what happened for you with FF. It did, it yeah. Just, it, it was yeah. really, it, it made a lot of sense. Since yeah. they were off on their road trip that mm. they could send messages back is really what the issue was about. Yeah. And then how it all ties into the current one. Same yeah. idea. Yeah. The cool thing about the Uncanny Avengers one, it deals a lot with Colonel America mm-hmm. uh, and this other timeline. And, and it's interesting because Kang is talking about him. You know, he's kind of talking to these assassins. They want him to take him out. And he's saying no matter what the, like, no matter what the timeline or the thing, he's like a fixed point that wow. will always be there to destroy you. So you need to take him out and everything. It's a really interesting take on it. Kang would know. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was somewhere in the 70s, Steve Englehart, when he was writing The Avengers, said, you know, Kang should beat them handily because what should happen is as soon as he's finished his one plan that goes down the drain, mm-hmm. he should come back five minutes later. Yeah, well, that's the time travel thing. It's like what yeah. we say about the Terminator movies. Why does he keep coming back when there's more chance for them to defend themselves? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go but time is like a stream it yes. tells you where it's gonna go exactly uh but for actual book of the week it's a writer i mentioned last week uh, in our top five writers it's caleb monroe and it's steed and mrs peel number eight um this ties together the threads from the very beginning when we had mark wade's uh zero issue really fun story lots of nods to the all the other issues in between as we've pulled one villain sort of through the whole thread Lots of the old TV episodes. Uh, it's just really nice to see this done. Just as I said last week, it could have been a disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a new artist since issue four. It's Yasmin Liang, uh, and she's doing a great job of getting these 
likenesses set up properly. The early artist also wasn't doing great with backgrounds and settings. This now seems with, with we have colors by, let me find his name, because I just lost it in my head, Ron Riley. Mm-hmm. So he gets a very sort of mod color palette as well. Uh, and we're leading to the Avengers. They are the Avengers, after all. <laughs> Their greatest adversary from the television show, the Cybernauts, a series of mechanical robots. And now we have an enemy from here going into a Cybernaut area. So it should be fun. If anyone who is a fan of the show should be picking this up. Uh, it'll be ending very soon. Issue 11 will tie the whole thing up in a nice little bow. So that's it for me. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Stephanie, what do you got for us? Oh, well, let's see. Um, like you, Bobby, when you last week had like, we burnt out of superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just felt that way about most of the comics that I kind of picked up. Um, the only thing I really picked up in stores was uh, Little Gotham. Mm-hmm. But I actually didn't get a chance to read it yet. Um, I went back to some of the things I'd picked up at conventions recently, a lot of like indie stuff. And so I wanted to talk about a couple of those things. Um, so the first thing I picked up um, was like way back when I was in Europe in uh, whenever that was. Anyways, but it's this book Specific. called Hilda and the Midnight Giant. So it's by Luke Pearson um, from No Brow Press. And I saw this book at TCAF last year, but it was only in French. And I didn't want to purchase it because, you know, like I can only read a little bit of French. And I was so hoping they would do an English version of this because the illustrations are absolutely wonderful. And when I was in France, they happened to have the English version of it. So oh, go weird. figure. Yeah. <laughs> but... um. I was just like, oh, my God, I've been looking for this. And I bought a whole bunch of the things there. Um, It's a series of kind of – well, not kind of. It's a series of kids' books, um, but they're comic books, and they're just fantastic. It follows this little girl named Hilda. And in um, this tale, The Midnight Giant, basically she's on this adventure to um, save her house that, you know, her grandfather built and her and her mother live in. So – um, every night for the past little while, Hilda and her mother have been getting teeny tiny, like fingernail size letters left on their doorstep. And they're saying, you know, something along the lines of from the invisible people, if you don't move, we will smash your house and throw you out. And they're like, who keeps sending these? Like we live in the middle of nowhere. And, um, Hilda, the little girl, winds up going on this adventure to, you know, find out why these invisible people have a vendetta against their house and them living there. And she finds out that there's these invisible little elves that are, you know, they need to fill out paperwork in order to see them. But the papers obviously are too small for them to see and they can't (laughs) see them without filling out the paperwork and blah, 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 blah. But it's just this completely delightful Wow, I've used delightful way too much in the last like week. But anyways, it's delightful. <laughs> delightful. It's just a story that you can tell to anyone. Steve, especially. I know your nieces. I think they would love this. Excellent. Um, it's an all-ages tale. The art, if nothing else, you can appreciate because it's so fun and so silly. And it's great. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm just going to keep on saying 
positive adjectives. <laughs> Words. Spectacular. Awesome. Spectacular. <laughs> Yay. Buy it. <laughs> really, though, buy it. It's I, great. I sense a cover blurb out of all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talking comics. Buy it. Yay. <laughs> Spectacular. <laughs> awesome. Dot, dot, dot. Delightful. Awesome. Dot, dot, dot. Buy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. These are things that you'll only get from me. Um, I read another one called Who is AC by Hope Larson, but I wrote up a review for that and you guys can kind of check it out because it was sort of myth. But the other one that I want to talk about um, is called Delilah Dirk and the Turkish Lieutenant by Tony Cliff. All right. Is it um, a rule that these indie books have to have these like wild titles? Yeah. They're like indie band names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, I originally got this book as like an early uh, advanced copy. It's not out. The physical copy's not out until August 27th. Oh my goodness. So advanced, like, advanced preview. Yeah. Well, I was, I was like, wow, how am I not going to say anything until like almost September? Um, but I'll, I'll get to the, another part of that afterwards. But basically it's a story by Tony Cliff and it follows the tales of um, this guy who is a Turkish lieutenant. What a surprise. <laughs> and basically, he's on guard. He's helping the sultan, um, you know, defend the city. And they capture this girl. And he's in charge of interrogating her. And it turns out this girl is Delilah Dirk. And she just spins all these tales about these crazy adventures that she goes on. And, you know, from afar, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. Flying ship, uh huh. She's yep. Baron Munchausen. <laughs> it's. It, have you ever seen the first episode of Samurai Jack Two? Not part two, but as well. Um, <laughs> the first episode of Samurai Jack. She kind of has this montage of all the places she's learned how to fight, the places she's been, the like fighting styles that she's trained in, and you know it winds up that she escapes and they this whole story is about their adventures and how he kind of becomes her unintentional sidekick and it's just such a great book um the reason i'm bringing it up though is obviously like last year we had our women in comics week and i think most of us here are really big advocates of you know, having strong female characters. Most and of us. Most of us. Which one? Which, one, which <laughs> not, one isn't? Not Bobby. <laughs> Shut up. All of us. Fine. Whatever. Ruin my groove here, guys. <laughs> Sorry. But the point being is Delilah Durick is such an awesome character. She kicks ass. She's not your conventional kind of beautiful, um, you know, all of her body parts are in the right place. They're proportioned and... She is just awesome. I think it's one of those books that every woman who doesn't think there's stuff out there for them, that you should be picking this up. And I will come into the part where this is actually now available and you don't have to necessarily wait until August 27th. Um, I was looking around online as I was like writing up some stuff about it. And it turns out this was a webcomic to begin with. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So um, the whole comic is available on Deliladirk.com. Uh, and I love it. I, I'm i going to pick it up when it's physically available. But until then, you know, 
I'm going to make sure lots of other people know about it online so you can kind of get a taste for it now. And I believe there's a couple other stories there, Delilah Dirk stories. I didn't really investigate the site too much. I had kind of a crazy day, but uh, it's a really cool site, really cool art, really cool stories. And I think everyone should be part of Delilah Dirk's fan club. All right, Delilah Dirk's delightful fan club. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. So, what was the the full name of the uh, the volume that you read? Delilah Dirk and the Turkish Lieutenant. And you, but you can find the web comic right now. Yep. Okay. Um, this story and I think a couple others are available on that site. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. All right. Uh, moving on, Steve. What do you got for us? I don't know if I can follow that. <laughs> you can't. Oh, let's see. What did I read this week? Well, should I? Should are we got to bring this up later? We'll do that last. We'll do the Green Lantern last. All right, yeah, because I read a whole lot of Green Lantern this week. <laughs> uh, let me see. Superior Spider-Man was wonderful. It was of great, of course. And you know, you guys talked about a lot of book. Daredevil was awesome. Yeah, Daredevil was amazing. It was uh, amazing. I'm sure that when we get to Bobby, we're going to talk about Green Team. Yeah, we'll talk about Green Team. All right, so yeah, I'll just yeah. skip to my favorite book of the week. Uh, my favorite book of the week was from IDW Publishing, and it was Half Past Danger, number Ooh. one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Half Past Danger, for those of you who don't know, was created, written, and drawn by Stephen Mooney and edited by Chris Rial. Anyway, uh, it takes place in the South Pacific in the year 1943. And what it is, essentially, I'm just going to set this up for you, is a group of troops are on the island. They're investigating the island they believe that there's a, uh, I guess, a band of Germans. Yeah, which is pretty weird. Yeah, that have that have taken up space on this kind of remote island thing. And they want to go and check it out. So they're walking around, they're walking around. There's doubts going around in the troop because they feel like they're lost. But the guy that's in charge, he's he knows what he's doing. So everybody's like, chill out, man. He knows where we're going. <laughs> so they follow him blindly right into a bunch of freaking Dinosaurs. They're dinosaurs. Of course. Hungry ones. It's a mysterious remote island (laughs) in the middle of nowhere. You got to have dinosaurs on your mysterious island. It's a rule. Okay. So dinosaurs show up, screw up everybody's day. A lot of people die, so on and so forth. Uh, Moving forward, we basically come to the, what the story is, what, what they were setting it up for. A guy that escaped the island that witnessed all this madness, he is back home, and he's pretty tortured by everything that he saw. He just really couldn't believe his eyes, and he's trying to drink his his memories away. And these people, who are obviously interested in going back to the island and harnessing it for unknown reasons, are trying to get him to partner up and give whatever information that they can extract from him about this island and get him to kind of join their exploration team and take this place over. What I really liked about this so much was the, like almost the cinematic flair that it had. It was very, the characters were very clearly defined right from the start. Uh, Lots and lots of great action, lots of carnage. And it had almost kind of like a uncharted uh, Indiana Jones-ish kind of vibe to it with the, there's Nazis and there's Mm -hmm. dinosaurs. Well, there's not dinosaurs and... (laughs) I get it, Indiana Jones, but maybe in in an Indiana Jones sequel, we'll get some dinosaurs. Yeah, but um, (laughs) I don't know. It was the it was the only book that I read this week 
that really stood out to me and stood out as being something different and something fresh. And uh, it kind of fell into that uh, like rocketeer kind mm-hmm. of vibe to it a little bit, especially some of the, the art. The art is gorgeous, by the way. Uh, I like the idea that it's it's done all by the same guy, Cre- uh, created, written, drawn. Uh, I really enjoy it when you get to see somebody's entire like collective vision of something they had a passion for and wanted to share with everybody. Yeah. So that aspect of it is very cool. And it's just entertaining. I think it's going to be six parts, something mm-hmm. to that effect. So it's not even that long. Mm-hmm. And it just looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood for something like this. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's my favorite book no, of the week. No. I enjoyed it as well. Uh, it is a little familiar to me. There were, when I was a kid, there was a book uh, DC put out called Star Spangled War Stories. Mm-hmm. And the lead series in that was The War That Time Forgot. Mm. So army guys in the South Pacific, dinosaurs yeah. everywhere. Well, this like this looks to me like something that would have been done like golden age mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And this is like the polished version of that, like mm. doing doing that now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you could do that and do it badly. This looks like it's, you know, paying homage to that and doing a good job of presenting it to people. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. It was cool. I put it down. I was like, that was really yeah. neat. Well, to me, again, they, the, the series I mentioned that was just soldiers. This they're now crossing with a mystery, mm-hmm. you know, spy stuff, because we have uh, the girl from you know, British intelligence. Yeah, it's a little James Bond, too, which mm-hmm. is nice. So lots of cool stuff going on. Uh, it's a little slowly paced because they're going to get it to six issues. But I, I love getting the chance to investigate the characters. Tommy, when he comes back from the South Pacific, is a mess. He's now a bar fly. Yeah. And, of course, it being sort of a 40s thing, you're in a bar and somebody harasses you for information, a fight breaks out Mm -hmm. with some surprise guests. Yeah, back when you can punch somebody in the face and not worry about getting arrested for it all the time. (laughs) Or getting shot by somebody in the bar. (laughs) Um, And I really love the tagline. I think it's Dames, Dinosaurs, Danger. Nice. So just those three words alone, I was was sold. That's why I bought it. (laughs) I want that on a T-shirt. That's an elevator pitch. Is it? No, I'm saying that would be yeah. he's sitting there and the you know talking to the executive. Yeah, yeah. It's dames, dinosaur, danger, sold. sold. Cut yeah. your check. Yeah. It's got dames with nice cans. Making <laughs> dinosaur faces. I mean, come on, Nazis, dinosaurs, dames. Yeah, smoking, you go. smoking long cigarettes. <laughs> and the way she orders her drink is so cool. She's so every all the chaos is going on, and she's just cool as a cucumber. One ordering the shoulder too. Ordering pims nonetheless, which is one of my favorite uh, liquors of all time. And she's like, "Pims, please." I'm like, "Yay! We should go drinking together if you were real." <laughs> all right, so that's all I got. Half past danger sounds pretty cool. I'm gonna check it out. Yes. Um. So I'll go. Uh, piggybacking over you said Steve Daredevil. We talk about it just about every time it comes out, but. So good. Uh, this took a big step forward as far as revealing a threat that's been behind the scenes for many, many months brewing in the in the Daredevil book. Uh, and also, we got a really nice little backup with Foggy. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, so that was really, really nice. Um, uh, the Bounce, number one, from uh, Image. It's Joe Casey and uh, David Messina. Uh, it, this, it's another kind of hey, there are now superheroes when there weren't superheroes before type of book. And these are kind of the first ones. <clears throat> and if it had stayed that kind of story, I probably wouldn't be very interested in it. But it takes a very peculiar turn at the end of the book where it kind of, pun intended, bounces in a different direction. 
um, <laughs> that I found quite cool. The art is is beautiful. Um, the main character is interesting because he's like a he's very much like a slacker. He's smoking pot all the time. Doesn't seem like he has much direction, but he's also kind of like this superhero in, in, in his other life and this kind of drug you know this kind of penchant for substance abuse leads to this interesting turn at the end of the book so uh i'm definitely gonna give it another issue it didn't blow me away but there was something about it that i really liked so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep at it um we also got the green team number one this week uh from uh art balthazar and uh franco and you know this book has been very much pitched it was announced the same time as as the movement and has been kind of pitched as the antithesis to that book, the 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 opposite number, and it was not what I expected. You know, coming into it, I I almost kind of expected the green team to be almost bad guys in, in a way. You know, I expected them to be nefarious and and you know uh, pressing their advantage and taking advantage of you know the the, the less fortunate. But that's not really what this is. This is more like a bunch of young, rich people who, instead of wanting to sit on their asses and collect money, want to, you know, get out there and make a name for themselves with philanthropic uh, endeavors. Uh, it's you know a bunch of Steve Jobs superheroes is kind of mm-hmm. kind of what it is. Um, they use these inventions to kind of make them superheroes. And you know, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was it was sillier than I expected it to be, uh, but I think it was the right amount of silly. Uh, you know, I came away from it having really enjoyed what I read and, and am interested to see where we go. I, you know, I, I feel like there's, there's like a, a little, like a passing line about, you know, kind of an underworld and stuff. And I think that might refer to the stuff that's going on in the movement, but I don't see how the two books connect. Maybe they will eventually, maybe they're not at all. Maybe that was just marketing to kind of launch them both at the same time. Um, but but I thought it was really cool, Bob. What'd you think of it? Well, I enjoyed it, but didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think marketing did a disservice to both those books. Yeah, and they they positioned them as giant political screeds, mm-hmm. and as you say, polar opposites. And neither one was that. No. Um, I was left a little cold by the the characters themselves. They didn't get much out of them. Mm-hmm. I like the setup. I like what they're attempting, but I haven't got a handle on these characters yet. I'll yeah. go one more at least. Uh, the girl I found interesting, you know, mm. the the, char- the character Commodore, you know, yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty cool, mm. but I, I don't know them yet. Yeah, so one more I think, but it, it's 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 really sad though that these books are being put out there linked together, whether they're not really, yeah, and as just sort of oh, one's for the one percent, one's the ninety nine percent. No, it's not really. Neither one's been those. Yeah, yeah, uh, it it was very much me. Style over substance in the first issue, um, as far as like the character and in the, the the more kind of effective emotional throughline, mm-hmm. where I feel like it was almost the opposite in the movement, where it was more yeah. you know of this kind of character stuff, and, and the kind of plot was kind of vague. I feel like the plot is very clear in, in Green Team, but the characters are not so much. Steve, did you read it? Yeah, it's funny. My my exact opinion is like an amalgam of both <laughs> yours and Bob's. Uh, I think bro- uh, Rob, Bob <laughs> brought up a lot of good points. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely going to be giving it another issue or two just because I love the creative team very much. I like yeah. the guys that did uh, Tiny Titans, and I just I, – I, like I like the writing. I think the art is fun. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a couple of other artists that I, I've really grown to love. But um, 
it was one of those books where I was I was reading it and I was reading it and I was like, okay, this is neat. This is kind of cool. Underground, you know, tech expo kind of thing. But again, the same feeling of like, where is this going? Where is this going? And I did I did like the the twist. I don't we don't want to talk about that. No, but, but you know, the the surprise was enough to kind of pique my interest and it, it went in a direction that I didn't necessarily think that it was gonna go even when I didn't know where it was going to go. So if it's yeah. possible to be surprised when you have no expectations, <laughs> that was me. Gotcha. And I uh, an aspirin after that. Yeah, <laughs> but I figured that I, out at all. I really do agree with the whole marketing thing of that they were both very poorly, uh, not poorly marketed, but just deceiving. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things when we did uh, the Talking Comics Presents on the website, and I wrote in my quote, I was like, the reason I'm looking forward to this is because I have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I have no idea piques my curiosity. Yeah. So uh, I like the movement too. They both have different f- like feels mm-hmm. to them. So I I haven't really jumped on to many DC books at all since like the start of the fifty two. Just mm-hmm. things have come and gone. I would kind of like to see both of these series have their time and, and get to develop themselves a little bit just because of the creative teams. Yeah. Between Gail Simone and Art Balthazar and Franco, like all of them together, I just, I think that they could really, if they got together, they could really make it a cool, like brother sister series kind of thing, if that's even the intention. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we did, we do get to see kind of a weird group show up in uh, Green Team. And we also saw a rather strange group in the movement. Yeah. So quite possibly there could be like a factions of villains Mm -hmm. that maybe they have their own group that Mm -hmm. we don't know about yet. Yeah. You know? So who knows? Yeah. (laughs) They call themselves the decibel percent or some crap. They look like the masks they're wearing and this look like the private eye. Yeah. Like mask. That's what it looked like. I was trying to pinpoint what I saw recently Mm. that that's, that's it. Uh, I did like, you know, I I thought it did a good job of layering in the kind of modern social media practices without it seeming like they didn't know what those were. You know, it didn't, it didn't seem like get off of my lawn with your pictures, you know, (laughs) your Instagrams, you know, that didn't seem like that. seemed like they understood what this was and they were, they, they were, I, I like that the people, you know, didn't want, they didn't allow, allow like phones and all this other stuff because they wanted to keep it private. And I, I liked that kind of, that kind of feeling uh, about it. So I thought I did a good job that way. Um, <laughs> they did the same thing to me when I saw the early uh, Iron Man 3 footage yeah. at uh, Comic-Con. They like literally like they stripped you of everything you had. Exactly. And so that's something that they do. And so I think that that, that works in, in this scenario. Yep. Um, before we get, to Green Lantern real quick. I wanted to ask Steve and Bob, you both borrowed, no, you bought and you borrowed Day Tripper. Yes. Uh, and you read it, right? So uh, what did you guys think, Bob? What did you think of Day loved Tripper? It. Absolutely loved it. Uh, wonderfully set up. You didn't know, I, I knew because you had talked about mm. what he did for a living. Yeah. And then as, I, I don't want to spoil too much here, mm. but as each chapter goes and I'm hearing this voice in my head and then watching it and I could almost read ahead. Oh, I know what he's going to have to say here. Yeah. It is touching and sad and wonderfully bittersweet. Mm -hmm. Just a great, great book. Everyone should take a flyer on this. Yeah. Yeah. Steve. I thought it was delightful. (laughs) D, wait for it. Light. Take a shot. Uh, No, it was. It was wonderful. It was very, like I said, I sat down. It was two o'clock in the morning 
and I just wasn't quite ready to go to sleep. So I decided, I said, you know what? I'll read a, I'll read a chapter. I'll read a, a part mm. before I go to bed, and then that'll be it. I looked up at the clock again. I read the whole book, and it was closer <laughs> to 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but I could not put it down. And I couldn't put it down because... It was so it was another one of those books. I, I apparently my favorite comic books in all the world are the emotionally draining, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> kill yourself comics. Those are just my favorite ones. Yeah. And the the concept and the story and the setup and just all of these glimpses, each chapter is uh, you know, a time in this person's life. And like you said on the podcast, it's all about, you know, learning to live life in the moment, live life to the fullest. And it was just such a unique perspective from because of this guy, this guy's profession and what he does that, you know, at any moment, these things that you're kind of on a, like a fly on the wall or you're you're looking into that it could end at any time. It's kind of like when you're when you're feeling at your best or something really amazing happens, something happens between you and your girlfriend, your relationship, your job or something, and you're on top of the world. Mm. And you just you're almost suspicious of the day itself. And you're right. kind of looking around. And you just want to go home and mm-hmm. be safe because you might get hit by a bus yeah. or something <laughs> like that. Some mm-hmm. some Final Destination stuff. <laughs> and I just I it was weird that I didn't even really truly appreciate it until I closed the book until it was over. That I truly grasped the delivery of the book and how it was sectioned and how it was portioned. And what Bob had said that you kind of were reading ahead of yourself that even at the end of every chapter, when you knew something that was inevitable was coming, you kept hoping that it wouldn't, Mm -hmm. but it does. Yeah. Well, metaphorically, I'm a little bit morbid, I guess, but we all die little deaths all Mm -hmm. the time. And you had that feeling as you're reading, oh, yeah, there would be a nice capper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exit the stage here wouldn't be so bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, very, very affecting book. Mm. And great, yeah. great creative team too. Yeah, they were they were awesome. Um, so speaking of a much less serious end, uh, Green Lantern number twenty hit the shelves uh, this week. Uh, it's the end of Jeff Johns' run uh, on the book. His almost ten year run on the Green Lantern, which started with Green Lantern Rebirth and ends. Here, it's also the end to a very large story that's been brewing for a very long time for many, many parts, as Steve knows, because he read them all mm. uh, in like a day. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, neither Steve or I have read, obviously, all of John's run. Nope. We, we've read sections of it, um, but we have been reading the new 52 uh, version till the end. Um For me, you know, I just want to speak to the finale, and I'm going to try my best. I'm not going to try to spoil anything um cuz there are some aspects i think of people who have been reading it for a long time that they'll probably get a lot of enjoyment out of here uh i'd say as an ending to uh, this kind of crossover event that's been going on i i think it closes those those kind of strings i'd say uh i i think that i i i kind of wish that it hadn't have gone out on this very long protracted crossover thing because i felt like it robbed some of it of its of its momentum because i feel like before this started it had a tremendous amount of momentum it was one of my favorite books one of the books i was looking forward to most that was coming out and by the time this came out i still excited still loved it but it had lost some of the luster for me it wasn't like the first thing i wanted to reach for uh to read uh that being said i think the issue itself uh is very very good and i think 
it, it does a very good job capping off this run. It, it, it hits a lot of the points. There's a fantastic... The Sinestro stuff is my favorite stuff in the entire issue. Does a fantastic job closing off kind of their Hal and Sinestro's relationship, which has kind of been the backbone of uh, John's run for a very, very long time. And there's a particular exchange by them uh, near the end about their friendship or the or their lack of friendship that was uh, kind of amazing. It was just like this one of those perfect sequence of panels and lines that mm. just hit really, really well. Um, I'm anxious to see what happens next, but for me, I thought they did a good job closing it off. Steve, what did you think? Well, all right. I, um, I started reading Green Lantern with Blackest Night, mm-hmm. so that was my first exposure. And I just want to say, before I say other stuff i loved 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 blackest night yeah i loved it i loved it i was awesome it's like a nine out of ten for me mm-hmm. it was just phenomenal I, I read it in one sitting couldn't put it down very engaging and a really really awesome introduction to the green lantern universe just because of all the cast in that book is so vast and there's so many characters and these things that are happening within the story are affecting, you know, characters that you've cared about for years. So that was a really good way to get into it. So I read that, and then I've been reading Green Lantern in the New 52, plus the other series. Mm-hmm. So in preparation for Wrath of the First of the First Lantern, I read all of the Rise of the Third Army, which was the gigantic uh, multi-book event that mm-hmm. came before Wrath, and then I read Wrath. So I read them both back-to-back. I'm not sure that this was the best way to do it. I wanted to have as much of a perspective mm-hmm. on the the events as I could and information as I could. But after a while, I really just I had exhausted myself. Yeah, well, I was so bad. yeah, no, and it you know how many issues was it? Thirty six. Yeah, oh. in a row. <laughs> um, over the course of like an evening and the next morning, mm-hmm. so I just like I chewed. I sat in five different places in my living room (laughs) just because I had to keep shuffling and Mm. moving and, you know. So I'll just, I'll say this. I really enjoyed the Third Army arc. Uh, It was fun. There was a, it was a good way to kind of bring all the different books together. They were all fighting, you know, one thing. Yeah. By the time that I got to the Wrath of the First Lantern stuff, I was really kind of put out and worn down, but I knew I wanted to read it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I thought the the Wrath, it started well enough, and I liked the first Lantern angle. I liked what he what he was about. The, the idea is that the Guardians are getting rid of all the cores, mm-hmm. and they're draining this, the first Lantern. He basically was the birth of the Green Lantern core, yeah. and he holds this energy of the entire spectrum that they could feed from to kind of start over again. Mm-hmm. That's the the basic yeah. uh, premise of this whole event. And the there were a couple of stories or parts in the Wrath event that after like the first two times that I saw the Lantern, what they, he does is he visits all the main players from all the different series. So you have you know New Guardians, you have Guy, you have yeah. Core, and all these things. But by the time we had gotten through like two or three characters of them being shown what their lives could have been, yeah, he his ability to like go into like the tendrils of their past, yeah, and he takes each one like I'll say Guy Gardner, and he'll like basically 
it's he takes every eventuality of your life and he goes okay if you hadn't done this and you had done that right both good and bad things he can like he can like change like yeah. reality he can make them so that instead of just showing you how they happen he can actually make them happen yeah exactly yeah so but he never he uh, well that point he's not fully powered up so that's he right can't i don't do want i don't want to spoil anything but yeah um, that, that part in the middle, like I said, after I'd been about through like two or three characters with that, the formula of that was really wearing on mm-hmm. me and I was quite bored of it, to be honest. So I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. I had fun with it. Uh, some of the, like some of the, the splash pages, the double pages, when mm-hmm. you turn those pages, some of it was just gorgeous mm-hmm. and all around from all all of the books yeah. not just green lantern mm-hmm. main line but you know there were some pages where the first lantern was glowing and it looked almost as if you'd been like staring into the sun or through like a prism and you saw those right. little like rainbowy things floating around in your vision mm-hmm. and some really epic fight scenes as well there was one section of the book where it was like eight whole pages of just silent battles of people mm-hmm. punching each other in the face, throwing them into stars and mm-hmm. all these things. And that was really awesome as well. And what you would expect from a finale. Yeah. But that being said, I never really felt much towards the threat, which was the first lantern mm-hmm. that he was kind of there just to show them what could have been, but then it never really panned out mm-hmm. beyond that. And I felt like that kind of cheapened the threat for me. And also, the way that things ended, I felt, was extraordinarily predictable, given the series and what they can do. Um, one more thing, and then I'll shut up. But the exchange of the rings uh, also bothered me a bit. This is not any spoiler stuff, but just by the end of this, I was kind of grasping, finally, what the Green Lantern world universe is all about mm-hmm. and how a person is given the lantern i understand how or the ring i get how that works but the the rings siphoning between characters there was one point in the story where rings were kind of just playing like musical fingers or musical chairs with the characters and it just struck me as really odd that these characters get these rings and they're defined by these this one emotion that puts you on the blue ring. It puts you on the green ring. Pe- people in general, characters, there's more depth to them than that. Well, yeah, but I mean, this is like this is like your their central defining characteristic, you know? Right. Um, you know, so it, but it's, it, it, it's just like like Hal Jordan. You're mad right now, so you're the Red Lantern. And oh, well, no, that's minute, but you- that's not really how it works, though. I mean, that's like the it's if you have this kind of rage is your intrinsic. The thing that dominates your 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 life, you become you're you're more apt to become a red lantern. Yeah. And if you have the ability, you have force of will, you're going to be a green lantern. And if you're peaceful, you're going to be a blue lantern. And you know whatever that's, you know that's the emotional I'm, spectrum. I'm just saying there was one point except for Kyle where there was like a, like <laughs> a ring floating around that couldn't seem to quite make up its mind, and it went to about three or four people within the span of a few. Pages. Well, that issue that's the Green Lantern New Guardians issue, which yeah. is which was a very weird. It was a very weird issue. Yeah. It seemed like it was just there for that. That was the WTF month right. one. Um, but I mean, this is the, this is what I'm talking about. Is the shame of the event is that I, I think all of the mainline Lantern books, which really deal with Hal and Sinestro and, and, mm-hmm. and their deal with Black Hand and in the dead yeah. zone and coming back from there, um, and the Simon Boz stuff, I think is really is really really quality stuff. Right. 
but it loses itself in this larger right. tapestry. Well, um, positive things I'll say about it, though. I really did enjoy the Sinestro stuff. I thought that was, like you said, was mm. probably the best aspect of this. Uh, really got a lot out of that character through yeah. this, through these events. Uh, I really like Simon Baz. Yeah, Simon I, Baz is awesome. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I liked watching his progression. I kind of liked having a newbie, relatively new guy in the, in the story. I thought that was fun. Um, like I said, some, some great art throughout uh, the books and everything. And I think that if you had been reading this, let's say you've been reading since Rebirth mm-hmm. and you're a really, really big Green Lantern fan, I would imagine that this was like this was amazing mm-hmm. for, for some people. Uh, I think that had I been with the characters longer and maybe more familiar, that it would have hit me a little bit better. Uh, I just, out of all the events, Blackest Night is still my favorite. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it was definitely worth the ride. Mm-hmm. It was fun. And I think the final issue was definitely a nice capper and kind of sent each core or each different faction of the Green Lanterns off on a uh, kind of like a the like the epilogue to Harry Potter yeah <laughs> where you got to find out what everybody was up to it was yeah. kind of cool to see that yeah the way they structured the issue and this is not a spoiler they structured the issue it's like millennia in the future and a green lantern who has just become a green lantern is going to like the the bookkeeper mm-hmm. for the story of Hal Jordan and and he's telling the story of Hal Jordan out of the book of Oa to them so after the after the issue is over after the events of this issue are over he asks he asks kind of what happened to them afterwards and he goes you know well do you mean when they died and he goes no 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 no. i want to see just how they lived and so it shows you these future things which is interesting like you know to see if i feel like this is one of those things where the jeff johns of 20 years from now whoever that is is going to look back at this and be like oh i can do this story well, let right. me do something that leads into this story, you know, because it's way in the future and these, you know, John Stewart's doing this and, you know, Guy Gardner's doing that. But and I don't think we'll ever get to it yeah. soon. But it's one of those things I think that somebody in the future who is one of those continuity hounds will go yeah. back and pick it out and do a cool story. about right. it. I mean, in regard to a final issue for something that he's been writing on this for so mm-hmm. long, I really admire the way that he, you know, we know that he kind of brought this into the 52 continuing what he was doing because he had a plan, obviously. Yeah. But I like the idea that maybe now he's left it so much that they could pick it up. The new the new creative teams mm. can take the take it in a direction anywhere they want to go with it. That this was definitely him, like the curtain call, him taking a bow and being like, "Now this is yours. Go yeah, for it." Absolutely, and did, yeah. I really really liked that uh, aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a finale without being final. Yeah, he does definitely leave it open, you know, and and that's nice. But it does still get that feeling of. The last episode of a television show or something where you can yeah. feel these threads that you've been watching for a long time kind of finishing off. Uh, I think it's a, a, a very good finale. I mean, I, I, there there's something just about the way the issue's built. They have all these like thank you pages throughout the book mm-hmm. and they're just kind of specious to me. They're like one line. They're, they're almost like parading names out there. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it it's fluff for the book. Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman likes this book. Yeah. You know, that's basically what he likes. Jeff Johns. I would, you know, I think Joey uh, Esposito says on his podcast um, that he would rather have one of those people just write like a two page, right. you know, epilogue or whatever mm-hmm. to be like, Hey, this is why we like the Jeff Johns run. But um, that's our kind of our spoiler free talk about uh, Jeff Johns run uh, uh, on Green Lantern. And 
And we, now we get to see, uh, well, in a month, what happens with the Green Lantern and where he's going from here. And I think we'll talk about that when we talk about the books that we're excited for this summer. So after a little break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about those. Right, we are back, and we are going to be looking forward uh, to this summer. We are in the last release week of May, uh, which is today, if you're listening to this on, uh, on Wednesday, uh, and we're looking forward to June. Now, of course, summer doesn't officially start till the end of June, but we're going to consider June through August to be our, our summer months here, um, and we're looking forward to things that we are excited about. No really particular order here, no one through five, just a discussion about the things that we're excited about. Um, you know what, uh, Stephanie, why don't you give us just one book that you're excited about that's coming out this summer? Um, okay, so there's a few of them that I know will be on everyone's list, but this, this, this series is already out there, but I'm particularly excited about the Hawkeye pizza dog issue <laughs> that's coming out at the end of June. Dwarf. I'm totally not like 100% caught up with Hawkeye at this point, but the fact that like they're doing a whole issue dedicated to the dog is genius. <laughs> and I just sold. <laughs> so Take my money now. <laughs> that's on my list. Well, I love it in some of the solicits. It's, you know, Matt Fraction saying, yeah, we did a whole issue about the dog and we're getting fired too. <laughs> I, it would be even better if like the solicits were just like bark, bark, whoop, bark, 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 or something something like yeah, that just punctuated and ellipsed into a sentence somewhere yeah or something in, like that totally in my biased you know because i speak dog and cat um, absolutely so. oh multilingual <laughs> yes um well we of course have i mean today it's not in june but the wake number one is mm-hmm. out today by scott snyder um and sean murphy uh of course very very excited about that and also x-men number one is out today yes as well from brian wood Yes. And Oliver Copiel. So yeah. we have those two books kicking off before this June goes. But, of course, we're extremely, extremely excited about uh, both those books. There's uh, another new book that's actually starting today that's going over the summer. It's uh, I believe it's 12 or 16 issues. It's uh, Clive Barker's first official uh, comic book series hmm. called New Genesis. Interesting. So that starts today as well. I am very, very excited about it. Awesome. Mm, yeah. Awesome. Um I'm also, we'll, we'll talk, let's, let's get into some of the obvious ones first. Uh, Superman Unchained is obviously a couple weeks away. The Scott Snyder, Jim Lee uh, book. I think we're all pretty much looking forward to that book quite a bit. Um, as well as next month starts Batman Zero Year. It's like it's sort of the Snyder trio of books that uh, I, I think we're all pretty excited about. You know, the, the Zero Year thing it has me very intrigued because he, he won't, he's usually out there teasing all of his stuff very heavily and kind of giving you hints and clues to what's going on but he refuses to say anything about zero year and he just because he just wants to be able to open it up and, and see it so um be very very interested to see what comes out of that uh, bob yeah. what are you excited about here uh first thing to me rocketeer spirit oh Mark absolutely Wayne, paul smith yes uh, 
just been so much fun having the Rocketeer back in a an ongoing, or at least an ongoing mm. series of minis. Wade back to it again, and Paul Smith, who I don't think I've seen his art since the X-Men days. Oh, wow. Perfect choice. And apparently this series is going to bounce back and forth between Los Angeles and the Spirit's hometown. So, What's the Spirit's hometown? I forget. Oh, my God. I Whoa. Forgot. What? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Take a shot. <laughs> sorry, folks. <laughs> He's just saying that. He really actually remembers, but nope. we had a talk about Bob being a know-it-all, <laughs> so he's just pretending. No, sorry. Um, Let everyone down. I'll go, I'll go home now. Oh. So they did uh, – there was some spirit stuff a few years ago, right, that DC did that wasn't very good? No. No, that whole first wave thing yeah. was terrible. They did Doc Savage as part of that. Right. Threw Batman into the mix. It just didn't work at all. Mm-hmm. Looked good. Looked very good. Right. The stories made no sense. Yeah. Did uh and Darwin Quick did, Darwin Quick Darwin Cook did some spirit stuff before. Was that the first wave stuff or was that another point? That had to be somewhere else. Down okay. There. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Cool. 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 Uh, Steve, what's a book you're excited about here? Well, uh, a while back, I still haven't read it, but Stephanie actually brought to our attention a series called The Umbrella Academy mm-hmm. from yeah. Gerard Way, who was uh, the former lead singer. Of my chemical romance. <gasps> yeah. Former. Former. I don't think it's former. I think he's still part of the band. No, they broke no, they're, up. They're done. Did yeah, they? they're done. Oh. Yeah, they well, broke up. Shows you what I know. My goddaughter is very unhappy. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of people's goddaughters are very yeah, unhappy. And <laughs> particularly one girl on my Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's got a new series coming out. Uh, it hits the stands June twelfth, and it's called The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. Yeah. So, oh yeah, Beth Becky Cloonan. Yep. Uh, it's written by Gerard Way, obviously, and uh, art by Becky Cloonan. And there is a gorgeous, gorgeous variant cover by Gabriel Ba. Oh, look at that. So uh, it's kind of hard to summarize this, so I'm just going to read the synopsis really quick. It says, years ago, the Killjoys fought against the tyrannical megacorporation Better Living Industries, costing them their lives, save for one, the mysterious girl. Today, the followers of the original Killjoys languish in the desert while uh, BLI systematically strips citizens of their individuality. As the fight for freedom fades, it's left to the girl to take up the mantle and bring down the fearsome BLI or else join the mindless ranks of Bat City. It sounds interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I like freedom fighter stories. I think they're a lot of fun. I like what they stand for. And the sample art that they gave for the, I guess, the April issue of previews the one with superman unchained on the front is becky clunan and it is just gorgeous the the colors are beautiful and i can't wait to see what this book looks like i'm very very excited wasn't there something with free comic book day with that there was and it was extraordinarily rare um that Hmm. was one of those like crazy ebay books or whatever i myself did not get a copy with uh the killjoys in it interesting um does it have a date on there for the release? June 12th. June 12th. Yep. Awesome. Um, staying I in- obviously learned my lesson about judging him because of being a part of My Chemical Romance because Umbrella Academy's rad. That's so I, I will hear. definitely pick this up. Awesome. Um, I have another thing uh, in June. On, on June, I think it's 20, 26th. Yeah. Uh, Lazarus number one from Greg Rucka and uh, Michael Lark. Um <clears throat> In a dystopian near future, a government has a quaint concept. Resources are coveted, and possession is 100% of the law. A handful of families rule, jealousy, jealously guarding what they have and exploiting the waste who struggle to survive in their domains. Forever Carlisle defends her family's holdings through deception and force as their protector. They're Lazarus. 
Shot dead defending the family home. Forever's day goes downhill from there. <laughs> I would think. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, when, Rucka, when Greg Rucka was on the show, he talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, he writes female protagonists extremely, extremely well. And to get a, an original female protagonist from him, I'm extremely excited about this. Uh, Steve, you looking forward to it? Absolutely. That was actually uh, one of my tabs. So nice. I can take that one out. Yeah. See, this is better because instead of me steamrolling all the titles, <laughs> we go one at a time. Uh, I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Mm. I have become uh, quite the ruck of fan since uh, his being on the show. I went and investigated a couple of his uh, things, particularly his Wonder Woman run. Mm-hmm. And if that is any example of how he handles his female characters, that is going to be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stephanie, what's something you're excited about? We're still in June here. Um, I didn't write too many things for June. Most of my... It can be anything, Stephanie. doesn't matter. July and August, but... It can be anything. Um, I briefly also mentioned... This is another series that's already going on, but it makes my heart really happy that uh, Dustin Wynn's series, Little Gotham, is continuing on, and a new issue will be here in June. And I hope that it keeps coming, because it's so great, and it's so suited to his work. And I wish that DC and Marvel and other big you know, publishers would put out more stuff that's just fun. Just plain old fun and silly and not in continuity and we can just kind of enjoy it as a little one-off story. So I'm excited that this is going to keep coming. Yeah. For, not to mention know. that it's a book that parents can read with their kids. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's such a great book. The images are so fun yeah. and it's, I love that like Batman and Damien are like the same height. It's <laughs> a, to me, it's a really, really great gateway comic because not only is it all ages, but it's all ages Batman. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good, like, you know, your dad is into Batman. You know, your mom loves, you know, Poison Ivy or mm-hmm. Catwoman or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can sit down, you can either read it to your kids or it's so, it's actually to the point where you can almost like read along with your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, the art is super, super fun as yeah. well. And Absolutely. you don't need to know like anything about the characters, really. A lot of the stories are just. I mean, they take the characters and just put them in completely original scenarios that aren't really exclusively in the Bat universe, and it's just really easy for anyone to pick up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Bob, what do you got for us here? Similarly, uh, Molly Danger from Jamal Igo, mm-hmm. we had on a couple of weeks ago, you know, the world's strongest 10-year-old girl mm-hmm. <laughs> who isn't exactly what she wants, fighting giant robots and supervillains and just doing all sorts of little girl stuff that, happen to be super heroic while you're at it <laughs> there's a tv show that's coming out that has like that exact same synopsis um it's from oh what's his name um jj abrams has a part in it somehow but ugh, i can't think of what it's called right now but it's basically like a 10 year old girl with superpowers hmm. <laughs> well i mean it's not like it hasn't been done before but oh no yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> i mean Jamal's- you can't really yeah, well, his pitch for this, yeah, his uh, his Kickstarter uh, was last summer. Yeah, yeah. The book's just about to finally get into my greedy little hands. He said that uh, <laughs> I, he tweeted. I think that the pre-orders are very, very good uh, on the book. So there, he's excited yeah. about about that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, for for me as well. You know, uh, we got Satellite Sam coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Fraction and and Howard Chaikin, which is uh, this kind of 
TV star has been murdered and it's, it's a mystery story. And, you know, for me, for books like that, I don't really like to read that much about what their plot's about because I just know from reading that Matt Fraction is the writer that I'm going to pick it up and, and, and keep reading it. But uh, it's another image book that, that's, uh, uh, you know, coming out that I'm extremely, extremely excited for. The covers um, look bizarre. The covers are yeah. bizarre, yeah. The covers are very, very, very bizarre. Um, oh, and just, I quickly found it here, but the show that I'm talking about is called Believe. Okay. And, yeah, it's a 10-year-old girl that's, you know, has powers. And it's from J.J. Abrams and, uh, oh, why is his name not here? Anyways, whatever. <laughs> that guy who has a spanish name. Oh, very nice, Stephanie. Yeah, Thank yeah. You, Stephanie. That guy yeah. who has a spanish name. But it's called uh, Believe, so you can look it up yourself. Okay. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Steve, what do you got for us? <laughs> I got I got a series coming out. Let's see if I can talk into the microphone. When is this thing coming out? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to imagine it's in June because this is the June previews. But there is a book from uh, Cy Spurrier, who is the writer of X-Men Legacy, mm-hmm. that I've really, really been enjoying. If you haven't checked it out, you should. It takes a little while to get going, but once it does, it's awesome. There is a book coming out called Six-Gun Gorilla. Mm-hmm. That, that is uh, basically about like interplanetary civil war, and there is a, I guess, like a bioengineered gunslinger who also happens to be a silverback gorilla. The artwork for it looks absolutely awesome, even though the images apparently are in black and white. I don't know. They show both color and black and white. It looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It looks absolutely gorgeous. It looks weird. And I am totally in the mood for gorgeous and weird. So And gorillas with guns. And gorillas with guns. Why not? Aww. I am typically, I am not a monkey person. I can't stand them. <laughs> you're very... But you're into gorgeous and weird. Yeah. Just not They're, monkeys. They... <laughs> I don't know. That, forget. It. I'm not going to get into my monkey rant because it's a place you no, don't want to go. Go for it. No, go really. You I don't want to hear my. It's so stupid. That's it's why so. I, hear it. I can't stand. They weird you out with their human-like qualities, but with the fur. I no. It's not that. I can't. I can't get people's affinity for them. I don't understand. They're like America loves monkeys. Why? Because they're they're the most like us that you can get. Like, they put monkeys in something, and they think Gee, it's hilarious. they throw their poop at zoos. It's really I know, insane. but... Uh, wow. I, all I'm saying is you that really I do deep not like monkey monkeys. Hater. I That's going to be your t-shirt. I don't <laughs> understand <laughs> the obsession with monkeys being funny. To me, they're not funny. Like, you see them, like, they're chattering away in business suits and uh, sitting at the table, and everybody's <laughs> like, oh! I, just, I don't get it. I don't know who the people who think that's hilarious. You're but... so weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, I told you it was weird. You asked. Coming from me. Yeah. <laughs> if we emerge, look out. Monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> Why did it have to be monkeys? Exactly. Um, Bob, what are, you, what are you excited for? Um, I, it's going to sound crazy, but I'm looking forward to the novel She-Hulk Diaries. Oh, I right, just yeah. turned to that. <laughs> I, I think it's a we, we discussed it when they were announcing mm-hmm. it. I think it's a really neat way to bring somebody else to the party. Mm-hmm. You know, we always talk about new readership, and it's the perfect character. I've loved her since the original Savage Days, and certainly through the Burn era. And I think it's this is going to be in that vein. You know, it's Jen trying to cope with being a lawyer and a superhero and a single woman in New York. Mm-hmm. Should be fun. No, they're are they straight novels or are they graphic novels? No, straight novels. Okay, wow. Yep. Wow. Written by an award-winning New York Times bestseller 
hmm. romance book author Interesting. person. Celery, where? <laughs> I thought the same thing, don't worry. <laughs> crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had this marked off on my list, too, of things that I'm looking uh, forward to. And um, the She-Hulk one sounds great. The one I'm also looking forward to is the Rogue Touch, which is the other book. Um, oh, it sounds like softcore porn. Doesn't it? <laughs> No, I just I, the reason I even have these Don't on my judge. list is. Are you done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th- these are on my list more so out of curiosity. I'm very when they when they announced these, I thought it was very strange. Um, I do like what they're trying to do by trying to maybe reel in another audience, but I'm more curious than anything as to how they're going to do that. I will end up reading probably both of these just to know what they're approach to this line is Mm -hmm. and whether or not they're going to, you know, they're going to announce more of them and continue to try and do this. I mean, they'll probably see what the sales are and what the interest factor is on these two and then go from there. But, um, I want to know, even if it's not for me, I want to read them because I want to know firsthand exactly what they're trying to do and what they're delivering with these books. And Mm -hmm. also as a fan of both of the characters, for people that don't know the characters, will it be a good book? But will it be a good book for people that do know the mm-hmm. characters? I tell you, I'm a little annoyed that they were supposed to be out last week. Oh, wow. And they were pushed. So I had this whole plan. A friend of mine, uh, she actually did Wonder Woman for Halloween, and I got mm-hmm. a, a comic for her and for her daughter, who's six. Her birthday is the 1st of June. I was going to buy the book for <laughs> her, read the book, and give it to her. Perfect. <laughs> Save money at the same time and give a gift. Perfect. Ruined. Ruined. My All plan is ruined. ruined. Bah humbug. <laughs> ruined. Um, well, for me, uh, the, the book I'm probably most excited about, in, in, and it's actually another June book. It's on the 19th. Um, it's Joe Hill's Thumbprint. Uh, it's from Joe Hill and Jason uh, Cimarella, uh, which is the team uh, from The Cape, the people who wrote The Cape together. Uh, and, and it's based on another book. Uh, by Joe Hill, nice. uh, and the description is private. Private Mallory Grennan had had done terrible things as an Abu Ghraib prison worker. After being discharged from the army, Mal thought she was leaving her sins behind to start a new life back home. But some things can't be left behind. Some things don't want to be left behind. Uh, by the the writing team that brought you the Eisner Award nominated one shot The Cape, and art by Vic Malhortra, Thumbprint will turn your guts inside out. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Yeah. You know what else I can't wait for? What? Him to finish lock and key. Focus, people. Focus. It's been like two months. (laughs) In the newest previews, there's actually a pre-order for a treasury edition. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's one of it's. It almost looks like a Encyclopedia Britannica version of Lock and Key. It's gorgeous. Oh wow. So, and I'm sure. It will come with some kind of like collector's key or something to that effect. They they did that years ago. Yeah. So very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie, what else are you excited for? In June, I it doesn't have to I, be June, Stephanie. It could be anything you want. Okay. <laughs> well then, in that case, um, I've got. Let's see. You threw her completely. List. I threw her completely. I know. I know. Actually, here's one. Um, so this one isn't out until August, but. The secret number three that Jonathan Hickman was working on, Ooh. and it just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Does anyone else? You guys remember that one? Right? Yeah, I haven't been reading it, but I know first it's issue. finally coming back. Right? I don't remember it. At For all. those of you who can't remember, it's like the, the first issue was that weird one oh, that was shit. just like all teeth. Yeah. 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 
And I have the first there was three two issues, issues and then it just like disappeared never to be heard of again. Mm-hmm. And they've announced that August will see the return of the series and uh, we'll be getting issue number three. Awesome. On some day in August. I didn't write down the exact day. Whoopsies. Look for secret in August. Mm-hmm. It's a secret. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you promote secret. it. Secret promotions. Bob, what about you? Batman 66. Yes. Jeff Parker. You. Yeah. Uh, just the whole idea that they've got this sorted out a little bit over at Warner's and mm-hmm. Fox, and it's going to lead to good things, Blu-ray, DVD releases mm-hmm. of, this, of the show. But to investigate that universe in the four-color setting... Color, you know, covers by the All Reds and yeah. Jeff Parker writing it. Mm-hmm. That should be fun. They're doing the Riddler, I think, and King Tut. Yeah, right early yeah. on, and King Croc as if he would be, yeah, a '66 television character. I got to see that. Yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's it's a chance for him to play in a more kind of silly environment, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that Parker will definitely shine doing that. It's funny because you know All Red talks about that you know the Batusi cover that he did that can never be sold or you know it was kind of an illegal thing that he did and now it's this you know kind of this touchstone for this renaissance of the of this property which I think is very very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve, what do you got for us? Uh, I'll do a quick rundown of three small titles and not talk about them at length because I want to get through some of these. Okay, so. You have people. You have to see this book. He's got the the previews here, and it's they're all tabbed. Yeah. There are forty seven tabs in it. <laughs> all right, real quick. Okay. See, you're chewing up my time, man. August fourteenth sees the release of Battle Pug Volume Two. <sighs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> um, I do not own Battle Pug Volume One or Two. <sighs> I have never read Battle Pug <sighs> ever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So <laughs> my throat hurts though. I'm seeing August 14th as my chance to pick up volume one and two and just dive in. Um, strike. Mike Norton and um, was it Alan? Woo! I, have, I, should, I can't pronounce Alan. Whoa, huh? Yeah. Pasalakwa. There you go. Pasalakwa. He does the covers. Uh, offense, but I like Alan Woe better. You should consider yeah. changing his name. It's Conan it's on a on a pug. The yeah, end. totally. That's exactly what it is. All right, on a giant pug. So we got that. Uh, Empowered is actually going to be releasing another special. Uh, mm-hmm. Bob and I have spoken about Empowered on the show before. It's basically just hapless adventures of a uh, inadequate but totally adequate superhero whose costume constantly gets destroyed. It's awesome. And her powers go with it. Yeah, and her powers go with it. And it's just, it's zany. It's fun. It's got robots, ninjas, naughty nuns, and all kinds of crazy things. And it's very colorful and very cool. And uh, quick mention also for Jim McCann's Lost Vegas, which is going to be wrapping up. It's a four-issue run. Uh, We'll be... Wrapping up, I guess, in June. Mm-hmm. Um, so this month, yeah, it'll be ending. And I haven't read... I read the first issue once, and I've kind of forgotten all about it for right now. And since it's ending this coming month, I'm really looking forward to just sitting down with all four and doing it in one shot and just looking at it as one collective work. Uh, I can't wait to sit down with that and dive in. So, mm-hmm. hooray. Awesome. Um, I mean, for me as well, there's a couple of uh, books from the the big guys coming out that I'm interested in checking out. I'm interested to see how Age of Ultron uh, wraps itself up this month. 
um, and what that leads to as far as the Marvel Universe and what's happening there. Um, I'm actually really excited. It's it's funny because there's a 10.1 issue written by Mark Wade, which I'm kind of more excited about than probably any of the other issues that <laughs> that have come out to see what he does with with the fallout there. It's it was kind of an, it was really a high wire act trying not to be spoiled on what happens in the event while trying to look up, you know, sure. the issues that are coming out because just the, like a line of a solicit can ruin an, the, the series for you. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about those things. Um, also excited about they're, they're doing a daredevil, a daredevil dark nights, which is an anthology series. Uh, Lee Weeks is kind of like the main spearhead behind it, but they're bringing in you know other writers, other artists to do stories in them. Uh, you know, out of continuity, one shot stories for the mm. most part. Uh, and, and I think everything that's been coming out Daredevil the last year or so, whether it be the Mark Wade or the Bendis End of Days uh, mini series that he did or maxi series, I guess, uh, have all been really high quality. So I'm excited to see what they do with this more kind of uh, one-shot Daredevil kind of stuff, you know, outside of the the main line. That's awesome. I hadn't yeah. heard of that. Yeah, and also Batman Superman. Uh, Greg Pak and Len Wein will be out, uh, I believe, starting in June as well. Mm-hmm. Um, excited to see with that in Zero Year. I'm interested to see how they start to shape and kind of cement more this early new 52 continuity that's kind of been in the in the ether for for a mm-hmm. while. So I, I want to see, and those are obviously Snyder and Pack, two great writers, see how they kind of shape, especially that section of their two biggest characters, the section of their universe, and see what happens there. Plus, getting some Jaily art every month is, n- is not anything to scoff at, because that guy's stuff is beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're apparently throwing some stuff into Earth 2. Oh, are they? Yeah. They, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Is- you wonder now with Robinson leaving. Yeah. yeah how that would have played itself out. Interesting. I didn't hear that. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, so those are some of the big stuff I'm excited for. Stephanie, what about you? Um, one quick thing that I'll mention, it's coming out in August, but, uh, from Dark Horse and that's Itty Bitty Hellboy. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. done by Art Balthazar, like the team that did all the, um, oh, the, what were they called? Tiny um, Titans, Superman, Family Adventures. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But, um, that would be so awesome. Mm-hmm. So awesome! Yeah, it looks like you can it's read cool. Hellboy to like your six-year-old. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> what? <laughs> um, another one that I'm really excited for going back to July. Um, Satellite Sam from Matt Fraction. Yes. Yeah. So, in case you haven't heard of this yet, this is a synopsis for it. New York City. <laughs> Thanks what? for because I brought it up before. Wait, what? You brought it up already? He totally yeah. talked about it like 20 minutes ago. Yeah. How did I miss that? I don't know. You weren't paying attention. <laughs> I was paying attention. Well, you can read out the, but you can read out the synopsis okay. as well because I didn't do that. Well, I wasn't listening to Bobby, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Obviously, Look, let's just take a moment. I'm apologizing. Okay, let's just chill. Okay, calm down. So let's calm down, everyone. God, calm down. God. Anyways, synopsis: New York City, 1951. The star of a beloved daily television serial, Satellite Sam, turns up dead in a flop house filled with dirty secrets. The, the police think it was death by natural causes, but his son knows there was something more. If only he could sober up long enough to do something about it. This noir mystery shot through with sex and violence exposes the seedy underbelly of the golden age of television. <laughs> <laughs> the it sounds a little bit like 
like LA Confidential, like a weird LA Confidential. Yeah. Of course, with Hollywoodland. Exactly. Yeah, that's what kind of gives me that vibe, which I'm excited about because I mm-hmm. love both those movies. Anyways, so since that already settles, I want more. Whoops. <laughs> Whatever. Do another um, one then. Go. Um, in August, Amer- the American Vampire Anthology. Did oh, you yeah. say this already too? No, I did not say this. <laughs> All right, just checking. But um, for those who haven't heard, it's not just Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque. They are doing stories. But um, additionally, Gail Simone, Becky Cloonan, Francesco Francovella, Francovella, mm-hmm. whatever, Jeff Lemire, and Greg Rucka will be doing stories in this anthology. And I can't wait. Yeah, and the, uh, well, because Jeff Lemire had made a joke earlier, like a couple months ago, about Canadian vampire, <laughs> and they kind of turned it into a story. So there's going to be like a Canadian vampire story nice. in the, in the, who doesn't anthology. feed off of blood so much as maple syrup. And he's very polite about it. <laughs> Excuse me, <Mom>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very cool, um, Steve. Well, I have got something from Vertigo that Vertigo. looks pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know why we did that. Okay, so there's a book coming out July 10th called Collider Number One. It is written by Simon Oliver with art by Robbie Rodriguez. I will read you the synopsis. All right. It started small. Temporary gravity failures, time reversal loops, entropy reversals. With much fanfare, a new government agency was formed with a mandate to prevent and protect. Its official title, the Federal Bureau of of Physics. Humans, if nothing else, adapt to the changing parameters of their existence. What was extraordinary soon became ordinary, a part of people's daily lives. They move on and do what people always have done, survive. But even that new status quo is now under threat. Things are getting worse, and it falls to Agent Adam Hardy and his F- uh, FBP team to figure out what's going on before it's too late. All right. Bum, 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 bum. I'm interested in this because I loved all the mentions of temporary gravity failures, time reversal loops, and entropy reversals. Um, Yeah. Um, I, I like that stuff. And this is from Vertigo, but... Simon Oliver is the guy who wrote The Exterminators from Vertigo. And he also did, um, uh, I think, half of issues 14 to 20 of the Wildstorm series, Gen 13. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just in case the name sounds familiar, but you can't quite pinpoint, that's what he's done. I like the cover for it. As yeah, well. that solicit thing is really cool. Yeah, the cover is like this dude hanging upside down. It's very orange and pink. It almost He almost looks like a Hellboy character. A little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But not itty bitty Hellboy. Not itty bitty oh. Hellboy. Oh. Um, no, he looks like he would roll with like Abe Sapien or something like that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It looks fun. I was, you know, thumbing through and it caught my fancy and now I am on board. Your feline fancy? <laughs> meow, meow. <laughs> not his monkey fancy. No. No. Because <laughs> God, cats can do whatever they want, but God forbid a monkey I'll put throw, the suit I'll on. I'll throw my yeah. poo at them, damn it. <laughs> not Bob. afraid. <laughs> uh, Gail Simone's Red Sonia. Oh, yes. Oh, the, yeah. The way too many covers, because uh, I want about 12 of them. Yeah. Uh, they are making amends. Uh, apparently, they're going to try to sell a book that has all the covers. Oh, in it. cool. There's talk of that. That'd be good. You know, the cover gallery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're already hearing some of the storylines where this, it's going to be Gail's humor. She'll address her outfit, for instance. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. Change, Change that around a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So. 
just fun. It's a character I haven't read a lot of over the years and back in the Marvel days, yeah, but in between mm-hmm. it's gone two or three different studios and mm-hmm. get, seems to get worse and worse. But Gale on it, I'll give it a shot. Speaking of covers, there's, I think, seven or eight different covers for Morning Glories today. I know. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous amount of covers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I'll be taking the plunge. You shouldn't. No. No, I should not. <laughs> it's seven comics. That's like as many comics as some people, most people get just in the regular pull list. I realize this. <laughs> Restraint. Uh, yeah. I I'm, I'm only buying four this week. There, so you, go. there you go. So you're See? beating Bob just on Morning Glory's covers. Ah. Um, so uh, fast forward to August for me, uh, I bet... People think it'd be this long until I talked about it, but we have Trillium, uh, The Last Love Story from Jeff yes. Lemire, written in art by Jeff Lemire. It comes out August 7th. Uh, it's the year 3797, and botanist Nika Temsmith is researching a strange species on a remote science station near the outermost rim of the colonized space. It's the year 1921, and renowned English explorer William Pike leads an expedition to the dense jungles of Peru in search of the fable Lost Temple of the Incas. An elusive sanctuary is said to have strange healing properties. Two disparate souls separated by thousands of years and hundreds of millions of miles, yet they will fall in love and as a result bring about the end of the universe. Even though reality is unraveling all around them, nothing can pull them apart. This isn't just a love story. It's the last love story ever told. Ooh. Yeah. I got chills. Fuck yeah. Fuck <laughs> yeah. so the, I mean, you know, uh, Jeff Lemire's, you know, regular hero comic work, uh, it hasn't been hit or miss for me, but, you know, I, I haven't been as crazy about it as I've been as crazy about his creator-owned stuff and, you know, the stuff that he really authors, he really takes full control of and, yeah. you know, it's his personality and, and he's an actor, like you say, you know, about a great director. It's the same thing with he is when he writes and right. draws his stuff. Every bit of it is just him and it'll, it'll be emotional and it'll be, you know, mind-bending and... I'm really, really excited. Yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed his, his run on, on some things recently, mm-hmm. but... Not nearly as much as when he does something that's all his. Yeah. That's where he really shines. Yeah. Animal Man is, I think, the closest it gets for me as yeah. far as matching his um, his creator-owned work with his superhero work. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've enjoyed Justice League Dark, it, it, but it never went really above. Just, I enjoy this book quite a bit. Uh, I've been enjoying Green Arrow, but it hasn't got above there. Um, right. And Constantine really hasn't hit for me at all. So... But this it's an it's an eight part miniseries and you know it'll be the first book I read every month that it comes out so definitely definitely up there as looking forward to the summer. Um, Stephanie, why don't we bounce back to you? Okay. So um, first of all, this is like really quick mention because I I haven't decided if I love this comic or not. But the trade paperback volume one of East of West comes out in August. Okay. Um, I think when we reviewed the first issue, I mentioned that I think thought it would read a lot better all you know, in one sitting. So I'm interested to pick this up and just check it out then. Um, so there's that. And then the other one is July. And again, this is a series that already exists, but it's guardians of the galaxy number five, which is co-written by Bendis and Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's reasons <laughs> for that. Well, Neil yeah. Gaiman returning to Marvel comics. It's a very big deal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I mean, and it was on my list as well. Yeah, he's got other things happening this summer too. Or is it this summer? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I don't know if it's in the summer, but it's definitely this year. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it on the solicits for uh, for the summer, but it's definitely this year. And is the Sandman prequel? Yes, it's for anyone who didn't know what we were talking yeah. about, but I feel like they said it was this summer when they announced it at San Diego, but mm. it might have got delayed. Yeah. 
either way, it'll be something worth waiting for anyways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Bob. Can I talk about Trillium? Did anybody do that yet? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, no. I don't just know. tell us more. I don't know why I, I get the... Getting picked on. We, we yeah, apologize. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> IDW... Oh, well, I, I interrupted. Go ahead. No, she I'm said, sorry. I love you, Bobby. That's all. Oh, She's yeah. making noises. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> That's all I do. Uh, IDW is revisiting Wallywood's Thunder Agents. Uh, oh, yeah. Starting a new series with that. It's Phil Hester and Andrea DeVito. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it seems as if they're going through the major old characters, Dynamo and the Iron Maiden and No Man and all that cool stuff from the old Tower mm. books. I assume they've got the rights sorted out. They've been in limbo for years and years, and there have been at least five different attempts at this that have all gotten three-issue runs and then disappeared or sued out of existence. DC had them last about a year or so Yeah, they did like six-issue something. Six very bad issues. I didn't read any of them, so I don't know. You didn't miss anything at all. Or the first one, I think, but that was it. But what I read, they've gone back to the originals. They're looking over those old books. They're trying to capture what worked all those years ago. And it's a fun superhero spy thing. So Mm -hmm. sounds fun. Cool. Mm -hmm. Steve, what do you have for us? I've got two titles left. So I'll do one now. Okay. Okay. So I I literally just saw this as we were doing this thing. So I'm going to add this to my list. Uh, Apparently, there's another book from Matt Kent called Super Spy. It's a graphic novel. And it says new printing next to it. So apparently this is something that exists, but is coming out again. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing about it for the first time. Uh, it's called Super Spy. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that we all already know what it's about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and essentially just I I really am enjoying mind management. Any opportunity to read him doing more spy stuff sounds like fun to me. And the idea that it is 336 pages worth of a book. Yowza. Yeah. Uh, pretty hefty collection there has me very excited for a, a full bodied work by him. Uh, it would be nice to read something of his that has, you know, a beginning, a middle and an end. Um, so just saw it. Very cool. Adding it to my list. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Um, I also, you know, there's also the, the we have two big, uh, events from the, the two big publishers. We got Trinity War coming from, um, DC with the Justice League, all the Justice League books crossing over, and then of course we have Infinity coming uh, with Marvel with Jonathan Hickman and Jim Chung, uh, which is a big Thanos thing. I mean, Bob, I know you're not an event person, but are you excited about Infinity? Nope, not no, particularly. Okay, no, I will check it out because I have to. But <laughs> excited? No, not even no. the not even the Hickman of it all can get you excited about it. No, <laughs> Hickman no. of it all. Interesting. That's, that's a, it's a new adjective. Yeah. <laughs> or a new like adverb. It. It's a new everything. Yeah. Um, Marvel's also got that um, What If AVX miniseries coming out. They do. Oh, that's the one I'm waiting for. Jim Palmiotti <laughs> uh, is, is right in that one. Um, She's actually, literally, I have a list of my comics, and it's under filed under Not Excited For. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. It's like, why would you even do that? I already think that it doesn't exist. What if it didn't exist? That exists in my mind. Well, it, I, I'm, I don't know if you know this, Stephanie, but they don't program the comic book companies just for your specific taste. What do you mean, Bobby? Don't talk. <laughs> don't talk that way. I'm just letting you know. Just letting you know. Don't that you sass me? Yeah. You are full of it. <laughs> 
Uh, and I believe they also have the X Men crossover thing happening too. The Children of the Atom or Battle, Battle of the Atom, Battle of the Atom. Battle of the Atom that's what it's called. Uh, that's going to be a crossover with a bunch of the X Men titles. Oh but um, and we obviously have the new Green Lantern books. We were we were mentioning earlier by the end of John's run. We have the Robert Venditti uh, taking over Green Lantern and co-writing Green Lantern Corps uh, with Van Johnson. Van Jensen, sorry, not Van Johnson. <laughs> Pinocchio Vampire Slayer. There you go. Uh, and we have uh, Justin Jordan taking over uh, New Guardians, um, and we have, I believe, Charles Soule is, is taking over um, Red Lanterns. Yes. Uh, so, and we have Keith Giffen playing a new series about Lara Flea's The Orange Lantern. So all that stuff is happening. Um, I'm very interested to see what happens with the the mainline Green Lantern book to see where Venditti takes it, and I, it looks like it's going to be focused on Hal Jordan. He seems to be the the focus of, of that cover anyway. Um, so I'm interested to see where he takes that character and what, you know, if he stays with the big kind of epic cosmic stuff or he, you know, goes back to more the, the superhero angle of how, because you know, that kind of goes away when you deal with the, the, the bigger stories. Sure. Um, so the more kind of, not necessarily ground level, but the more, you know, saving people, you know, you know, vexing villains kind of thing, uh, we might see some of that because we have Sinestro out of the picture at least for a little while, I'm going to assume, right. with the ending of, of of the John stuff. So, interesting what happens there. Um, Stephanie, what else we got? I've only got one thing left on my list. Me too, and, so there we go. Um, it's an August release, and it's Lock and Key Alpha 1 of 2, which is the beginning of the end of this series. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned... I don't know how they're going to do this because isn't there still, I guess there's a little bit of time between, you know, now and August, but they still have one more issue for Omega that needs to come out that yeah. I don't think has a date yet. Mm-hmm. Isn't this, isn't... Uh, it's got a date inside of the latest previews. There's one. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I'll try to look it up for you while you're chatting. Either way, that's my last comic that I'm really excited for. I'm really eager to find out what happens with this series and you know, I really wouldn't be surprised if it takes an even darker turn mm-hmm. because that just seems like Joe Hill's style. That's how he rolls. I, I, mm-hmm. I could be off, but I felt like the this alpha stuff is supposed to be like a... It's Because I feel like this Omega one is supposed to be the last... Um, like the end of this main story and the alpha stuff is supposed to be like an after story or a before story. Okay. But that's what I, I thought, thought. I'm not sure of that, but that's what I think. That's what least. I thought too with yeah. Omega. I thought Omega was like the end of it. I didn't even realize there was there was Alpha, and then they just announced t- it. Yeah, um, then somebody tweeted something about it and was like, "This is the end," and I was like, "What?" Yeah, I th- I thought it. W- I thought Omega was the end, and Alpha was like a prologue or an epilogue or something. I'll have to go do some research, but yeah. either way, I'll pick it up. But you know, yeah. all right. Uh, I lied about it being in the newest previews. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Okay. There's two different lock and key uh, solicits, and neither one of them is for the final issue of uh, the latest and greatest. Ah, damn it! Yeah, it's for uh, volume five of Clockworks, the trade paperback, and the Treasury edition that I was talking about, which is confusing me now because it says it's only nine ninety nine. So the way that I described it earlier is also probably false. So I'm just lying about lock and key tonight a lot. It's because of the monkeys. Yeah, still vexed by those monkeys. Next. All right, who wants to go next? Oh no, uh, Alpha is the sorry. It's it is the end of the story. So Alpha is the the conclusion. But you're right though, because like I do remember them saying that Omega was yeah the end of it all, and that's why I'd been talking about it in such a way for you know 
since it started coming out. Yeah, so they're doing two 48-page issues for Alpha. Yeah, I suspect that maybe Joe Hill decided that they couldn't wrap it up in, like, the amount of time they've been given, and maybe they decided to extend it. Yeah, that's what I'm going to guess as well. Absolutely. Um, Omega point one. Exactly. Uh, Bob, do you have any anything left? Uh, Yeah, well, a couple of... Well, one trade paperback, Revival 2, will be out during yes. the summer, so I can catch back hey. up to that, because I've been waiting for that patiently mm-hmm. now. Um, P.S. Art Books from London is reprinting the Fox Phantom Ladies, the rest of the run there, plus some of the ones that went up through the 50s, so you get to have that in a semi-affordable style. How to do some uh, playing around with our friends at Diamond, who... What do you mean there's just a bookshelf edition? No, you have to buy the $75 one. No, the, the company... <laughs> solicits the regular one. Mm-hmm. I don't want it in a slipcase that cost me $30 and <laughs> put the same book inside. Mm-hmm. It's just st- stupid and useless. Uh, the other thing is, sadly, a lot of books I'm buying are going away during the summer. <laughs> it Girl canceled or ending what? ending at 12. What? Yes. Boo. <laughs> uh, X Factor will be gone this summer. Mm-hmm. Red She-Hulk leaving soon as well. I'm all caught up with X Factor, by the way. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It's Good. my one-word review. There you go. So that's it for me. All right, Steve. All right. My final book is a strange book, but I'm going to mention it anyway. And it's called? It is called God is Disappointed in You. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It says it is billed as the good book, but with just the good parts, in which God becomes a single parent. God destroys the whole world except for one dysfunctional family. The nation of Israel is named after a wrestler. God won't let you have a club sandwich. Judaism becomes a gateway religion, and Jesus makes his, makes his way as a street musician. Uh, it is going to be 192 pages, and it is written by Mark Russell with cartoons from Shannon Wheeler. So it looks to me, it's very um, hark a vagrant as far as the, the art is concerned. And I'm sold just by the cover. It's some guy leaning, like kneeling down on a beach. I guess maybe he's tying his shoe or something. And there's a gigantic, I guess, God hand coming down from the clouds. And he's about to flick at him. And I guess just punt him into the stratosphere. I think it's quite funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I, the, 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 you know. The best parts of the Bible looked at with a comedic edge and, and drawn with funny cartoons just sounds like a cool coffee table book mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. God is disappointed in you. All right. My future book of the week. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, me, the last thing on my list is out in July, and it's from Valiant, actually. We talked about it last week a little bit. Quantum and Woody, uh, number one. Um, excited about this. Uh, I, I think the the idea for the story. Once upon a time, Eric and Woody Henderson were inseparable, adopted brothers, best friends, brilliant minds. Years later, they est- they are estranged siblings, petty rivals, and washed up failures. But when their father's murder leads them into the throes of a life altering scientific accident, Eric and Woody will find themselves with a whole new purpose and a perfectly legitimate reason to wear costumes and fight crime. Go big or go home, folks. Quantum and Woody are coming, and the action-packed, zeitgeist-treading exploitation stunt comic you demanded is here at last. And yes, there will be a goat, too, eventually. Nice. So it looks like a big, fun book, and I'm very excited uh, about it. So uh, those that's kind of our summer comic book preview. There's obviously a lot of books we didn't talk about, but uh, check out your, your your solicits and your and your previews for anything else. And anything else you, know, you guys want to talk about that we didn't talk about, please let us know. Uh, that being said, though, 
we did get uh, several responses. We asked what people were excited about on Twitter uh, and Facebook, and if it loads, I'll be able to talk about what people said. Uh, but right now, it's a blank screen. There we go. Hey, there we go. So let's hit Twitter first. Um, again, taking forever to load. Uh, so thank you very much. There we go. There we go. All right. Um, so Sean Rigsby says, I'm excited about the return of Kurt Busick's Astro City. Uh, Chris Cornish says, I'm excited about uh, Mala's Blade and Lazarus. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm also looking forward to discovering new indie artists at SDCC. Um, uh, middle-aged DM is excited about Superman and Batman, just loves that relationship dynamic. Um, <laughs> Love that Twitter handle. Yeah, it's a good so one. Good. Uh, this is uh, from Juicerali. It's a Superman Unchained, Batman Superman, Lazarus, more superior Spider-Man, Jupiter's Legacy, and the Return of Saga. And uh, Ryan Carroll says, definitely Avengers AI, a book about robotic characters has me interested. Uh, so that's on Twitter. And then on Facebook, we also got a lot of responses. Um, and again, must wait for it to switch and load. Facebook's been cooking lately. It has been cooking. Lots of people jumping on there in long form. It's true. I love it. Um, so as it again is loading, because this is very good radio. All right. So, uh, from this person, Bronwyn says, "Saga, Who's saga, that? saga." I don't know. <laughs> saga, 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 uh, and more morning glories. Uh, this is from Luis. He says, "The wake." <clears throat> um, Dan Gall says, "Saga's back in August." Uh, mine are going to be pretty common. Superman Unchained, The Wake, and Lazarus. Uh, this is Junior says, "Superman Unchained." Uh, Robert Gall says, "Trillium and Lazarus." Uh, Frankie Rivera says lots of Snyder has me interested in Superman for the first time and ever and of course Batman Zero Year no explanation necessary um, Jake Tanner says as much as I don't think we need another Batman origin I'm so amped for Zero Year just because of Snyder and Capullo I'm ready for Saga to come back and I'm intrigued to see what the new Superman will be Adam Shaw writer for the site says Quantum and Woody um, Amanda Evans says Gail Simone's Red Sonia and Brian Wood's X-Men uh, Marciel says Batman, Superman, and Infinity. Um, uh, Shane Kreider says Superman Unchained, baby. And he said, I also, uh, then he wrote again, and he wrote, I forgot Superman and Batman. Uh, Dan Sims says The Wake and Trillium. Uh, Travis DePolda says Batman 66. Uh, Gregory Litchfield says Marvel's Infinity by Hickman and Chung. And Christian says Infinity because Thanos. <laughs> so thank you guys very much for writing in. Um, info at tongcombooks.com. Facebook.com slash Talking Comics and uh, at Talking Comics on Twitter. Um, We got uh, a couple emails from you guys, so I wanted to read some of those out. Um, Listener feedback here. This is from Darren, and his headline is Help Comics Advice. Um, Hey, my name is Darren. I'm from sunny Ireland. Not, no, not sunny. Rainy would be better. I'm mailing you all to ask some advice on comics. I've really soon discovered your podcast. I have to say I love them. Learned something new to read and picked up things about comics I wouldn't have realized without listening to you guys. Uh, the problem is I've, I have finished reading Why the Last Man. Uh, oh, lucky. Read it in the space of two days and it was hooked. I didn't realize how emotionally involved I was in the characters. Um, and at the end, he's mad enough to admit he may have shed a tear or two. Now I have a problem of finding something, either a series or graphic novel, that is as emotionally involving and has great characters like Wyhad. If you can offer any help or recommendation, it'd be amazing. Thank you in advance, and thank you for the awesome comics 
podcast. Well, thank you very much, Darren, uh, for writing in. I mean, I think we talked about one of them today. Day Tripper. Day Tripper. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, Steve? <sighs> Underwater Welder. Underwater Welder. I Kill Giants. Uh, yeah. We've talked about that plenty, uh, but it's been a long time yeah. since we talked about that. So. Yeah, I would have said that. Uh, mm-hmm. you, I thought you'd say Sweet Tooth. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, I mean, for, you want for longer forms. Yeah, you want to. You want something. It's forty issues. It is just heart wrenching. But the final issue of Sweet Tooth, I will go on record as saying, it is one of my top ten favorite final issues of a series ever. It is wonderful. Anybody that I know that I've suggested it to and has read it has loved it. So, you want something really epic and very engrossing? Uh, pick up Jeff Lemire's Sweet Tooth. It has some of that post-apocalyptic stuff that, yep. like, Why the Last Man is dealing with as well. Uh, Stephanie, do you have any uh, recommendations? Yeah, I mean, it's not people, and it's you know, it's not really futuristic or anything, but. Um, one of the strongest connections I've had to a book in recent years has been the abominable Charles Christopher. It's, um, I mean, it's about an abominable snowman or like Bigfoot, but you get so attached to these characters and Carl Kershaw, who writes and draws it, does this fantastic job of just making it so engrossing and it's beautiful to like, just look at. It's fantastic to read. It's just like, there's a bunch of one-off stories and then other stories kind of tie in the whole arc. Um, It's a web comic. It comes out weekly, but they're collected as well um, in two volumes. Uh, The first one is in a soft cover as well as a hard cover. And the second one just came out fairly recently in a hard cover edition. But if you don't want to, you know, buy it right away, you can check it out online. Uh, It is www.abominable.cc. All right. Um, well, I mean, Spider-Man Blue, obviously we talked about that mm-hmm. a bunch, but that's definitely one that you, you could stick in there if you're looking for something emotional at the end. Blankets. Right? Blankets. Uh, Craig Thompson's Blankets. Mm. Very, 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 uh, very good book. Very good book. Anybody have any others they um, want to mention? Sarah and the Seed, if we're talking oh, about yeah. comics. Absolutely. Sarah and the Seed. Yeah, that, um, I'm trying okay. to think of other like long-running series. Um Let's see. I, I, uh, sent you, you sent everyone an email, so perhaps I will email you a few once I've thought on this <laughs> a bit more. Um, think on it, and it made me think of anything by the end of the, the show. Um, so this is from Michael, and it says, this one is for Bob. Um, uh-huh. Pressure's on. I've already blew the uh, spirit's hometown, which is like a central <laughs> city, now that I thought about it a second. Uh, so shot across the bow in the first line here, Bob. I'm not a fan of the Fantastic Four. Cool. <laughs> okay. It's going to happen. They've just never been my team. I've always gravitated more towards the X-Men. I've read the first trade of Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four run, and while it was very good, it just didn't do much for me. I have been reading Fractions at FF, however, and I love it. That being said, the thing that interests me about the family team is the kids. So I was wondering if you could recommend some stories that highlight Franklin and Valeria that I could check out. I've been thinking about signing up for the Marvel Unlimited service and could use some recommendations of what to read. Who knows? Maybe I'll find something to love in the old FF after all. Mike. Well, the thing with Valeria is she doesn't really pop up till way, way later. And then she's very, very young. So you're looking into the issues before... uh, 500 mm-hmm. is where she first appears. Her best usage is by Jonathan Hickman in FF, mm-hmm. you know, between 580, which took the place after Fantastic Four 587. Right. So if you want to see Valeria, that's where to go. But I think in the 
the fraction era here, you're going to start to see much more of the kids as this is going on. So if you're enjoying the fraction, just hang with that. But otherwise, go for the uh, Hickman FFs. And what about uh, Franklin? Franklin, here's the thing. He started, he was born in 1968. <laughs> so amazingly, he's still 10. Um, <laughs> But issues in the 130s, you begin to see the start of his powers. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Reed, Reed and Sue split up because his powers are about to destroy the planet. And Reed, to save everyone, shuts off his mind. Which is not a nice thing to do, but <laughs> the good of the many and all that sort of jazz. Yeah. And Reed sort of sorts it out. Franklin, it's in the burn era. You start to see Franklin do some stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're now into anything, it's the middle 80s, where at one point, I'm forgetting the issue number now, it's in the 240s somewhere, where uh, Franklin actually sort of turns his powers on himself and instantly grows up. So you see the adult Franklin mm-hmm. you've seen in FF, and he comes up with some really interesting insights that no one's thought of before, one particularly about Ben Grimm, which is really very sad. I won't say anything because I don't want to spoil the issue, but check out the burn era for lots of cool Franklin stuff. Interesting. And Steve, there's some, isn't there some like kid focused books as well? Didn't you read a couple of those as well? Oh, those, those are yeah. great. Yeah. Um, well, go ahead. Go. Yeah. I don't remember the title. I'm very oh, hungry. It's Franklin, <laughs> Franklin Richards, Boy Genius. There you go. Which uh, is done in a very Calvin and Hobbes sort of way. It's Franklin yes. and Herbie the Robot. There were miniseries, summer specials, holiday specials. They've collected them into trades now. Yeah, um, you can also find uh, they're very more than often in the dollar racks Mm -hmm. at comic book stores. They usually have a whole bunch of them. Uh, We'll tell you, though, it is Franklin, but it is also very uh, all readers kind of thing. You're not going to get that epicness Mm -hmm. that you get from reading Hickman's FF. I mean, if I can jump in just on the email, that Hickman's FF is really, for me, what made me... uh, Valeria Richards is my favorite Mm -hmm. character in comics, period. Uh, You get to really, really see her shine in Hickman's FF. I, I I know you said it in, like, the first trade. My best advice to you is to either stick with it or try to invest yourself in the FF, but you might have trouble reading the FF if you're not reading Hickman's Fantastic Mm -hmm. Four. They do kind of go hand in hand and sometimes work in tandem with one another. So you will be missing pieces. Um, Hickman's stuff on Fantastic Four is my single favorite reading experience in comics. So, I mean, I know I'm really pumping it up here, but I just, I loved it to death. Mm -hmm. So if you you might want to stick it out, if you really want to get... The full, if you really enjoy those characters, you will get the full circle if you read it all. So just putting it out there. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so we have another question. This is from Bailey, and this is on on Facebook. And I'm going to ask the question now. We'll go to a couple other things. So you, this might be one thing we, we have to think on. Oh. All right, so quick question for the show. I was wondering, of the plethora of indie books you read, which do you think could translate well into a motion picture, and what sort of movie would you like it to be? So it's an indie book made into a movie. Uh, we'll we'll let you we'll, we'll think on it, and I'll move because we have a another kind of easier question, and then a, just a, a email to read. So I'll let you guys think about that. Um, this one's from Rob, and uh, he wants to know, dear talking comic talking comics team, 
in the most recent issue of Superior Spider-Man, Spidey Battles the Owl, I believe he was called. Oh, I Before I discovered this, I was under the impression that he was fighting Wolverine. There's even a panel where he jumps at Spidey who has three long blades protruding from his fists. It wasn't until I read it again that I discovered it was not Wolverine. Could you clear up who this villain is and why he looks 95% like Wolverine? Um, I did a little research okay. on it. Uh, he was a character created in the 60s by for Stan da- Lee. Yeah, right. and Wally Wood for Daredevil. Yeah, exactly. He's a Daredevil Wait, villain. Yeah. Uh, he was like a, a businessman who gets caught with his shady dealings, organized crime. So he, he does experiment on himself and he becomes kind of like this superhuman character that can glide for a reasonable amount <laughs> of distance, yeah. but has some super strength, uh, strong bones. And he, to make his kind of arms look like owl talons he puts like these three talons on his arm they actually protruding from his arm they're attached they don't come from his body they're actually attached but his design i mean it's before wolverine it's way before yeah. wolverine so well, an owl head if you look at it at a yeah. certain angle is definitely there and he has to have claws it, it was around a long time and also weren't there two other animal men yeah. I seem to remember they, they grouped together at some point oh yeah i'm not sure but yeah i think so well yeah. Um. So it, just so you, Rob knows, like it, I, I didn't ever thought it was Wolverine, but he definitely looks like he could be Wolverine. But just mm-hmm. having seen Wolverine in kind of the superior Spider-Man art style in the in the past couple issues, it was kind of obvious that it wasn't him because he they draws Wolverine that big jaw and it's kind of like and and stuff and that wasn't what the character looked like. Right. So. How was that? Well, the blades, I believe, are supposed to are are acting as talons. Yes, they the, are. You know, and also, uh, owl shows up in Daredevil Yellow as well. Oh, he does. That was my introduction to the owl. Interesting. Character. Okay, cool. Um, we have a email here from Hunter, and this is about uh, the end of Green Lantern. Uh, and he says, "Please forgive the stream of consciousness." As a complete partisan fan of Green Lantern, I can say that the finale of Jeff Johns' run was fantastic and left me completely satisfied as a fan of both Green Lantern and Jeff Johns. Nice. I cannot completely separate the Wrath of the First Lantern storyline from his entire run in the series. Everything to Rebirth to Wrath was highly enjoyable and is the reason that I started reading comics again. I completely checked out of comics until a buddy recommended Rebirth and I was instantly hooked. Needless to say, Comicsology got a good amount of my money over these last few years and it's all because of Jeff Johns. Trying to narrow it down to the Wrath finale itself, I, could do anything but, I couldn't do anything but smile as the end neared and found great joy in the epilogue and how Jeff envisioned the lanterns and what happened to him in the many years down the lines. Uh, Sinestro's last words to Hal um, and his final act, which I'm not going to read here because it's a spoiler, um, uh, changed my view on him as a character overall. Uh, Jeff Loeb and Dave Gibbons, who had you know parting words for Jeff Johns in, in, in that book, at the end, completely encompass my feelings. Jeff left some very large shoes to be filled, and I wish Robert Venditti the best of luck. Thanks, Hunter. Uh, all right, so that's it for our listener questions. We have the Bailey's question get back to Indie Bookman into a movie. Stephanie, do you have something for us? Yes, I do. I've got two, actually. All right, Raw. go for it. So my first one um, is The Massive. Um, I think that would make a really cool live-action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really interesting story, different take on sort of post-apocalyptic global warming world in case you haven't had a chance to read it yet um it's written by brian wood who Mm -hmm. you really can't go wrong with at this point in time and i think if he had a say on you know the screenplay as well it could make a really interesting adaptation into film Mm -hmm. um my second one which i would if i had to pick between these two i'd pick this one but um is colin coover and paul tobin's bandette Hmm. um 
but I would want this to be an animated movie, like a fun mm-hmm. kind of that sort of French foreign movie kind of look to it, like the triplets of Belleville or the illusionist, nice. the animated one, not the Ed Norton one. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think that could be really fun to see on the screen and it should happen because I said so. <laughs> of course, they should program movies for you too. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Let's not be saucy. Bob, what do you have? I also have two. Uh, Mm -hmm. Fatal. Mm -hmm. Love to see a horror mix with uh, film noir detectives and so on. Look at me like because that was going to be one of mine. Okay, (laughs) so you should you should have given me the high sign or the monkey sign. No, 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 no. The other one, more on the superhero front, but in that same horror vein, I'd love to see Ghost. Yeah, I was going to do that one too, but. Stephanie needs an inhaler. But so it's a superhero that isn't a superhero. You're mm-hmm. still getting the supernatural element to it, revenge and demons and all sorts of cool stuff that way. But at the end, you could play it for a superhero and then spin it off into sequels. Yeah, absolutely. Good ones. Steve? I would like to see Craig Thompson's Habibi as a film. Uh, if it was going to be live action, I would ask that Ang Lee direct it. Uh, after seeing what he did with Life of Pi, even mm-hmm. if it was a little, uh, I don't know what the word for it is. It was a little Overrated. strange. Overrated. Yeah, no, I no, I really, really enjoyed it, but there were times where they were kind of shoving the theme of it down your throat. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, the it was a beautiful, beautiful movie uh, visually, and I think that he has the chops to pull something like that off. However, if you were not going to do that, I would love to see the team that brought uh, Persepolis into, mm-hmm. uh, you know, motion picture. Yeah, yeah. It was a perfect, perfect transition from book to film. Uh, if you could maybe get a team, an animation team that could match uh, Craig Thompson's art style mm-hmm. and just bring it to life with all the swirling. Uh, just, his art is like a it's like a vortex of black and white craziness. I think it would look. Really, really impressive if you uh, had turned it into a film. And I had another one. You want to go and then I'll I'll come back? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, uh, similarly, I, uh, for animated and live action, uh, animated, I'd love to see Cowboy, uh, mm-hmm. that book from last year that I, uh, I was talking about, made into an animated film, like a Pixar-type animated movie um, that kept kind of the adult themes, but also kept the all ages feel to it. I think it'd just be great. Um, similar art style, you know, not really have to change much about it. Just, I think it kind of translates kind of perfectly into that medium. Um, and I'd also, I mean, I'd love to see a revival, uh, film, you know, in a, uh, very, you know, the obvious kind of shorthand would be say a Coen brothers thing. Cause it definitely already feels sure. like a, like a Coen brothers story made into a comic book. But I would love to see someone like uh Nicholas uh, winding ref and the guy who made drive kind of tackle like the, cause there's some, there's something very dark and brutal about revival, even though it's also kind of got this family uh, underpinning story to it. So I, I, I would love to see something like that hmm. uh, live action film. Uh, I'd like to see the Cape as yeah. a film. Fucked up, um, fucked up yeah. movie. Yeah, maybe possibly done. I can't remember his name, but the guy who did Chronicle, I Josh think, Trank, the guy who's doing um, Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. Yeah, uh, I think he would be a mighty good director. Well, there's similar, there's similar stories mm-hmm. elements yeah. to both of those things. See, I like the idea of that, but at the same time, I think they would wind up coming out too similar. Yeah, well, but, not if you, not if you decided to include the 1969. 
uh, portion of it. And well, yeah, but, but I think people would wind up being, oh, I get what you're saying. Like, it's a good choice, but yeah. people would well, be like, he just does this. Right. I know to, to have yeah. the direct, I'm saying like, stylistically. Mm-hmm. Hmm, totally. Uh, I would, yeah. hmm, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm on the spot, damn it. No, but that's good. Bob no, took my other one, so no, that's, good. that's what you get. Definitely. Like pumped out like 15. Yeah. Or a yeah. Morning Glory series on HBO. <laughs> Yay. That'd be good. HBO would be a good place for it. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that's it for listeners' questions. Again, we, uh, I don't want to list all the places again, but emails, info at tonkoundbooks.com. Best place for your long form uh you know questions because they come right to us and there's no there's no ways you can get lost there's no there's no you know restrictions on length uh it's the best place to get in touch with us but we'll start talking about books that are coming out in the in the coming months let's talk about the books that are on the shelves right now um from action lab entertainment we have princeless volume two number three of four um it's also something called pirate eye a pirate's life is not for me which is a one-shot. Um, pirates. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be a pirate. From Aspen Comics, we have Dead Man's Run, number five. Executive Assistant Assassins, number 11. Awesome. Uh, from Avatar Press, we have Crossed Badlands, number 29. Um, from Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time Annual, number one. What? Clive Barker's Next Testament, number one of 12. That's what I'm talking about. Deathmatch, number six. From Dark Horse, we have Amala's Blade, number two of four. Angel and Faith, number 22. BPRD Vampire, number three of five. Dragon Age, Until We Sleep, number three of three. King Conan, The Hour of the Dragon, number one of six. Uh, Last of Us, American Dreams, number two of four. Um, From DC Comics, we have Adventures of Superman, number one. We've got, which is the, the the printing of the digital editions that have been coming out. Um, we have Catwoman Annual number one, Batman the Dark Knight Annual number one, Earth Two Annual number one, Injustice Gods Among Us number five, Justice League of America number four. We've got Red Hood and the Outlaws Annual number one, Smallville Season Eleven Special number one, Superboy. Sorry, that's the trade paperback. Superboy Volume Two, the trade paperback is coming out. Uh, Wake number one of ten. Uh, from Dynamite, we have got Green Hornet Legacy, number 37. We've got Jennifer Blood, First Blood, number 5. Red Sonia, number 76. Shadow, Year 1, number 3. Warlords of Mars, number 25. From IDW, we have Danger Girl Trinity, number 2 of 4. We've got Doctor Who, Prisoners of Time, number 5 of 12. G.I. Joe, number 4. We've got Godzilla, number 12, Jericho, season four, number three, Jinrise, number five, Kill Shakespeare, The Tide of Blood, number four, My Little Pony, Micro Series, number four, Popeye Classics, number 10, Star Trek, number 21, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 22, Transformers. More than meets the eye? Yes, number 17. Ding, ding, ding. Transformers Prime, Beast Hunters, number one. From Image Comics, we have Chew, number 34. Clone, number seven. Elephant Men, number 48. Five Weapons, number four of five. Lost Vegas, number three of four. Mind the Gap, number 10. Yes. Morning Glories, number 27, and all its covers. Thief of Thieves, number 14. Uh, From Marvel Comics... Uh, we've got Avenging Spider-Man, number 21. Captain America, number 7. Uh, 
Captain Universe, the hero who could be you, number one. Yeah, it's the reprints, right? The old oh, it's a reprint. Okay, okay. Uh, Dark Avengers, number 190, the final Last issue. issue. Um, we've got uh, Fury Max, number 12. Gambit, number 13. Indestructible Hulk, number 8. Iron Man, number 258.4. We've got New Avengers, number 6. Morbius, the Living Vampire, number 5. Savage Wolverine, number 5. Um, look at this. They're reprinting Spider-Man 2099, Volume 1. Um, we've got hmm. Uncanny X-Force, number 5. Venom, number 35. Wolverine the X-Men, number 30. And X-Men, number 1. Yeah! <laughs> um... And from Zenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales, number 85. Grim Fairy Tales presents Realm Knights, number 1. Wonderland, number 11. And Down the Rabbit Hole, number 1. Sounds, sounds filthy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the cover will be, because this is from Zenoscope. There'll be lots of boobs Can on the cover. Can imagine the rabbit hole? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, let's... Stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Come on. Uh, before we get out of here, though, we have to say big congratulations to Mara Whiteside, our contributor. She is getting married this weekend. That came congratulations. up quick. Yeah. Wow. Hooray. Yeah. Awesome. She's delightful. And her gender issues column is amazing if you guys haven't checked it out yet on the site. It's true. She did one for Brian Wood's X-Men, and she's doing one for Brian Wood's Star Wars. Uh, they're both on the site right now, so check those out. You can go to columns, and you'll you'll see it listed under there. Man, I feel like she just got engaged. She got engaged right after the show. Right before they did the show. That was so quick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And they moved, too, yeah. on top of that. Damn. Um, they know how to organize. Yeah, apparently. That's organized awesome. people. <laughs> I also want to say a big thank you. We talked about Green Lantern uh, today, but I want to say a big thank you to Sean Lamont, who has covered every single issue of the L- Wrath of the First Lantern series yeah. that, that came out uh did them all uh he even posted a recap of all of them wow. and, and gave ratings on all of them uh so a handy guide for you guys there you can look that on the site right now i want to thank him very much for doing that he stepped up when that event started and he followed through to the end so thank you very much uh sean for Thanks, that man um again if you guys want to get in touch with us it's info at talkingcombooks.com at talking comics on twitter and facebook.com slash talking comics. And of course, the website where you can find those articles is at talkingcomicbooks.com. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve's. Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Bob. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. And Stephanie. I am Hello Cookie on Twitter. All right, guys. Thank you so much again uh, for writing in. We're, we're working on some weeks for you guys. We're working on bringing Women Comics Week back. We're working on putting together a web comics week, trying to put some Superman stuff together for the the week the movie comes out. So we got some stuff coming for you guys. And thank you guys so much for all the feedback, everything you've been giving us. It's been great. It's overwhelming. Uh, So thank you very, very much. Um, So that's it for Talking Comics for this week. For Steve, Bob, and Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>